This is Bad Movies We Love, part of the Scheiss Podcast Network. Hello, Bad Movie Lovers. I'm your host, Nick Scheist, and I'm a little bit under the weather, as you can hear. But I'm getting better, getting that Godzilla flu out of my system. But thank you for being here and for joining me for another episode of Bad Movies We Love. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance. You heard the man. And you can support the resistance by going to coffee.com slash badmovieswelove. That's ko-fi.com slash badmoviesweloveE. While you're there, you can make a one-time donation to the show, or you can become a contributing member where you're eligible to win cool prizes, but I'm not going to tell you what that surprise is just yet because I don't know until the new month rolls around. But Ben from Cinema Shit Show, who's been a supporter of the show from the beginning, he's got a gift headed his way. He doesn't know what it is. I didn't spoil it, but it is currently out for delivery, so Ben, if you end up listening to this today, check your mail. And you can also support the show by subscribing, liking the show, and rating it on your podcast platform of choice. That actually goes a really long way in helping an independent podcast such as this one. And on a personal note, I'm getting married this weekend. So this show is going to be not the last show of the year, but it's going to be the last show for a couple of weeks as I've got the wedding this weekend and then going on honeymoon. I'm going to come back with one bonus Christmas episode to close out 2023. So thank you to everybody who has taken the time to listen to this show so far. But speaking of Christmas episodes, this is an early Christmas present because Vanya Gerway from Review Cinema in Toronto is back to talk about a movie that a lot of people probably don't even think is a Christmas movie, but it literally takes place during the holidays with the finale coming on Christmas Day. She's screening it as part of her Paid in Sweat program. We're talking about the one and only Rocky IV. You guys can't see me when I'm fist pumping in the air because I'm such a sucker for these films. If you're listening to a podcast about Rocky Four and you haven't seen Rocky Two, that's not on us. I don't think anyone ever gives Stallone enough credit. Stallone's got a big article. Giant pictures of Stalin. That's manslaughter. We take our technology and make it into a semi-sexy robot. Her and her husband wear the same clothes and have the same haircut. Like, that makes it a little weird. The last 50 minutes of the film, half of that is montage. Best driving montage ever. In one of those montages, he grows a beard. Because I got brain damage, goddammit. If I can change, and you can change, everybody can change. Anya, welcome back. I feel Hi. like you're you might be my most frequent collaborator at this point. Yeah. <laughs> and we're here because <laughs> you're running your program at review. Yes. And 
it's the holiday season. It's not quite December yet, but right. by the time that this episode comes out, it'll be December. And yeah. you're going to be screening Rocky Four. Yeah, it's a, like one of the um, sports Christmas movies. Like, there's not a lot of sports movies that happen around Christmas. Um, and so I'm always trying to dig something up for December. And this is a perfect one because the fight happens on Christmas Day. The main fight happens on Christmas Day. It does. And I is also. Is a Christmas can, movie then? I call it a Christmas movie. Okay, fair enough. And I'll in fact, it. all the Rocky movies, like the first like the first two and this one like they just have like a christmasy feel so if you want even like leading up to christmas you know before like you want those adjacent kind of christmasy feeling the first two maybe at the end after christmas because they're like new year's day and then the day after new year so but they all have like that like snowy philly kind of feeling and uh the reason why i also picked with this one is because on in january of this year i played the first Rocky, which happens on New Year's Day. So I wanted to bookend this year with two Rocky films, one on New Year's, one one on Christmas Day. Thought it'd be kind of cool. Do it that way. No, no, that's a great idea. And <laughs> since you just rewatched this one and you started the year with Rocky, which movie is the sweatier movie? This movie is the sweatier one. <laughs> Wait, I probably because the first one is more rooted in realism than this one so this yeah. this one is just like really like first of all there's a lot more there's actually not that much fighting in the first rocky and there's not that much like montage stuff where there's work like workout montages and stuff really in the same way um so this one is definitely sweaterier pound for pound more sweat <laughs> <laughs> than the first one <laughs> and yeah. it's like glitzier so you can see it more too yeah it's lit so that you really see those sweat droplets flying all over the place yeah and they're heavy droplets and they're spraying out of their hair when they're hit in the face mm -hmm. it's like it just comes off of it's like spraying it's incredible it's awesome and they you know they utilize a lot of slow motion to capture that spray as well so Excellent. they're very invested yeah. in the sweatiness of rocky four <laughs> Um, I mean, it was a sweaty time. Top Gun came out like what <laughs> the year before or something. Like mm -hmm. it was just a time for sweaty movies. It the, that era is kind of perfect for my program, Paint and Sweat, because yeah, it's just a celebration of sweat and cinema. That's what I'm trying to do here, you know. And uh, yeah, that era is like really delivers <laughs> in the sweat department. <laughs> well, I think all of the movies that you joined me to talk about have been '80s movies. Yes. Right. So we did Weekend at Bernie's. We did Rocky, and we started with what's the first Crocodile one? Crocodile Dundee. That's right, Crocodile Dundee. So all and they're all like mid '80s movies for the most part. So I think Weekend at Bernie's the latest one in the curve. Yeah. So is there something that draws <laughs> you to this era besides the sweatiness? <clears throat> probably my age it's probably like <laughs> where i yeah. it probably was where i was in that time you know also karate kid around that time too no. um which is the first it's pretty i think the first movie that i saw in the cinema it sometimes it's debatable like there was a re-release of et so sometimes i i have a blurry memory of that but so, solid memory of seeing karate kid which is very much connected to rocky and it's also sweaty 
And it's very much connected to it in the sense of Bill Conti did the score. He did the score for Rocky. Um, it's an underdog movie. It was just maybe a formidable time in my life where I was starting to form what kind of movies I liked around that time. Like what, you know, where I could choose movies too and be part of that conversation, you know? Yeah, so maybe that's why they come they picked the ones from the eighties. <laughs> well, Karate Kid was the first movie we ever did for film club. Oh, well, and then I, I forgot who picked it, but they left the group after like a month. So we oh started no. with that one. Um, but also like Daniel LaRusso is Italian, right? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> a yeah. lot of Italian <laughs> underdog stories <laughs> revolving around combat sports in the 80s. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's really. Yeah. And then the Conti thing. Like, it's it's crazy. There is even more of a connection between Karate Kid and Rocky. It, this movie in particular, Rocky IV. Um, Bill Conti didn't work on this. The first one in the series at that point that he didn't work on the score. Um and it was Vince Nicola, uh, because he was working on Karate Kid 2. Mm. Um, and also Peter Cetera wrote Glory of Love for Rocky Four, and Stallone didn't pick it, he picked Hearts on Fire instead. And they used Glory of Love in Karate Kid 2. So there's a lot of crossover there, also. Wow. Surprising. Like they're they're the same movie. <laughs> they they and they like fall they fall in like it, it's interesting everything kind of fell into place you know um we're probably gonna talk to the score but everything fell into place i think it ended up in the right er- areas like vince DiCola working on rocky for the first time and his like the era that synth feeling you know what i mean what the other themes and elements in the film m- more it lends itself more to that um that score you know and then like even hearts on fire is more kind of machismo, more more like you know like you know more of a rocky feeling kind of song where there's like more of a love story in karate kid too so glory of love is more in that camp so it, everything just oh, everything just <laughs> fell into place <laughs> Wow. Good thing I we don't use the video the for this show, huh? <laughs> Should we say what just happened? We can. That your, My your husband hus- just your walked husband. in behind me uh, in his underwear. <laughs> or like without a shirt on, at least. Yeah. Wow. Well, he's in his own home, so. Yeah, but he was warned. <laughs> like, whoopsie. <laughs> Wow. It's <laughs> appropriate. There's a lot of guys like yeah, in their underwear basically <laughs> in Rocky, you know. I knew they're... I should have put a sticky on the <laughs> on the door. You can come in but have some clothes on. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah, don't come in here. <laughs> uh yeah. Well, it's funny you so... mentioned Karate Kid too because that also has a tall blonde villain who's being used as uh, a pawn, essentially, by an even more evil person to promote <laughs> the agenda of what they're promoting. So there's like a, this surprising amount of parallels and similarities between the two. Yeah, since the beginning, like of Karate Kid coming out, it's always had like a connection to Rocky, you know, yeah, you know, Italian American underdog story, you know, fighting as the sport. 
Conti, like there's, it's always been connected. So it was like, it was like my baby Rocky when I was, you know, like, like my family always loved Rocky. And so that was me, I guess my little version of it as a kid. Yeah. Well, we, we <laughs> talked, we talked about the why of why you chose Rocky four, but if you had to sum up why this is like in the, realm of bad movies i mean it's got a like a 40 something metascore 40 Mm -hmm. exactly uh user ratings are solid but generally ill-received by critics um so i hate when people say like oh you don't understand it and that's why you don't like it but there is something to be said about that with rocky four i think that stallone was trying new things you know, and he was kind of at the forefront of like a lot of things and people kind of weren't ready for that. And then over the years, it kind of got a reputation of being like not as in not as deep, you know, as maybe the first Rocky or even the second one and being frivolous, you know, and kind of like surface you know, because of how much it leans into like that kind of video music video kind of vibe of the of the the mid 80s um that kind of uh uh mtv kind of vibe but really i think so i think that's what it what it is for people like they just started to disconnect and i feel like as like a word of mouth thing it kind of people started to be like well it's not you know it's kind of like cheapening the idea of what rocky was in the beginning and you know he was this like oscar winner kind of you know vibe critically acclaimed on that and then he was like more not doing that he wasn't serving that critic kind of like oscar Beatty audience he was serving like more of a wider audience more people you know connected with this film (laughs) it made a lot of money um and uh so he wasn't trying to do that he was trying to do something different and i i I respect that like he was trying you know i think each film he's trying to like like, one and two are kind of like a companion he's kind of like godfather Godfather two like they kind of go really close together but like with three and four he's like changing things up he's done it many times bobo is very different too you know like it's i i like that like i i think he reads what is happening in the time and then tries to create that for the people of that time like what people are into um but i think maybe people didn't understand that and then over time it just kind of took on like that kind of mythology yeah and it's weird to to look at sort of the trajectory of rocky films and know that stallone envisioned this as a trilogy he was essentially done after the third one and then was like well the door is not closed on a fourth, but if we do it, it would have to include Rocky going outside of his element and being involved in some sort of like international fight. And so that's ends up being what this is. And I know you and I had sort of joked about when you pick this movie that like, oh, yeah, Rocky ends the Cold War. kind of. <laughs> so it's like, you know, maybe a little bit too much of a, a summary and maybe completely inaccurate but that's kind of like what happens i mean it is this thing of russia is being allowed to compete in international boxing for the first time and rocky happens to be the new symbol of like american greatness and so you have these like clash of ideologies and it's very identifiable especially early on uh when 
Drago first fights Creed and they have the sequence with James Brown, which, by the way, I'm watching this with subtitles on just so I can, like, make sure I catch everything. Mm -hmm. And I hear the song come on and I was like, oh, yeah. And then I see on the TV, it says disco music. And I'm like, disco music. (laughs) I was like, this is not disco music. (laughs) No, it's not. But, But that whole scene is like just American excess spilling out of control. And you've got this guy from Russia who's been very sheltered, who doesn't really like understand what America is. And then he's coming up in the ring, like looking up, seeing James Brown, one of the most famous musicians in the world and a bunch of like uh, scantily clad uh, burlesque (laughs) dancers, for lack of a better word. You've got, you know, Apollo coming down from the ceiling, like, you know, and Mm -hmm. so that moment is very interesting in the film because I didn't look at it as a kid as any kind of diagnosis of like American exceptionalism at excess. And then Mm -hmm. I see this scene now and I'm like, it's very apparent to me this is a particular choice and Stallone is celebrating that in like, it's this big blow up in this moment. It's in Vegas. It's at the MGM grand garden arena, which I've been to. So it's like an iconic uh, combat sports location. It's in Vegas. So you're getting like the full Vegas experience. And as the filmmaker, like you're obviously having fun showcasing all of this, but to then take Drago and start him like underneath the stage in the ring alone in the shadows and then expose this character to this other world like there's a lot more thought that goes into that than just like oh hey let's have James Brown come and party Mm -hmm. I don't think I don't think anyone ever gives Stallone enough credit for his how his thought process and that everything matters right Mm. so um, people just see that as he, oh, he just wanted to he threw in James Brown. He just but it's all symbol he he's well read. It's symbolism, 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 you know, and it feels humiliating, even the way he's coming up from the bottom and you know, uh, Apollo's above him. That is like that's like it's just symbolic. And he's not even just saying it's he's not even totally just celebrating American, you know, exceptionalism. He's actually like exposing the excess because Rocky's not comfortable with it. You know, Adrian's not comfortable with it. There's like a, like he's showboating, you know? And Rocky's been in that situation before. He's already learned this lesson from uh, Rocky three with when he fights. uh, Thunder lips. (laughs) (laughs) Hulk Hogan, where he, you know, you know, Mickey wants him to concentrate on, fighting being a fighter being you know and it's also an exhibition fight too and he wants him to really concentrate and pay attention and rocky's just you know doing photo shoots and all this stuff that is like a distraction from his craft his you know his discipline as a fighter um and so when when rocky sees apollo dancing with james brown and you know being you know like excessive um he he can see he's uncomfortable. Like there's shots of his face and he's making faces like discomfort. So, cause he's already been there. He's, he's been in that space before. Um, and he knows it doesn't turn out good. <laughs> didn't turn out well for anyone. So, um, Stallone is reminding fans, you know, of that, but he's also, if you haven't seen the other ones, he's also, he's trying to say something with 
you know, like the expressions and everything that people are having that, you know, American, this is fun. It's great. It's supposed to be relaxed. It's an exhibition, but at the same time, it's, it seems rude and excessive to people from not from there. Right. And also like kind of humiliating in some way on some level too. Yeah. And then that is paired with this notion that like America has been passed uh, in technology and like training. And then what it comes down to is like, yeah, well, you can't like beat the American work ethic kind of thing. And then Rocky's like, you know, you can take all the steroids you want. You can use all the machines you want. I'm going to go out here and fucking throw stones in the river and run through the snow. And (laughs) like my work ethic is what defines me as a person. And there's nobody that works as hard as Rocky Balboa, even when you're the guy that's being juiced up and (laughs) worked like a like a racehorse, basically. Well, yeah, because it's not only that. um, Well, I want to talk about the technology thing because it's foreshadowed. Like people (laughs) look down on this like object in this film as being silly. And it is kind of interesting what he said about it. The robot, because the robot comes in five minutes into this movie. Like it's Polly's really robot. quick and it's a gift to Polly, his brother-in-law. And it's, it's a foreshadowing of this is what Americans are doing with their technology. Something frivolous, something that has nothing. He's not getting drive the society forward. And one of the things that Stallone said that he one of the reasons he wanted to show it was because he saw it at a party and he thought it would, he wanted people to see it. I, I just love that. <laughs> I just love that mentality. Just like, this is why I love Sylvester Stallone. Like he just sees things and he knows he has, he's aware that he has access to things that the, like a regular person doesn't. Right. And he wasn't, he didn't always live with that access but like once he got access to it, he this is what he does in his films. He like delivers that to the people. Like he's like he. I always say Sloan knows what the people want. He's like, listen, I saw this robot party. How cool would it be for people to see this <laughs> shit? You know what I mean? And so he puts it in there. But he's not. But he's a thinker. So he's like, it's also a foreshadowing of our um our superficial way of looking at things. The Russians take technology. And they train train their athletes to destroy us. And (laughs) we take our technology and make it into a semi-sexy robot. You know what I mean? That will like carry things and, and, you know, just be a, basically a maid, you know, Um, instead of driving society forward in any way. Um, So he, yeah, it seems, it seems but it's excessive but he's saying that it is excessive for americans and their behavior but him as a storyteller it's really f- smart and really f- kind of cheek you know cheeky to do that early on and then remind you of it later when rocky's training and he goes back to like his og roots and is like dealing with natural things while drago is being like yeah juiced up and using all this technology he goes back to like roots that kind of apollo taught him too yeah where it was like when they went in three to la you know to train you know in the black gyms um and stuff like that and on the beach it's just like go down get down to like you know the core right the base the beginnings of your you know discipline and you know that's where you get the eye of the tiger right (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think it was Marvin Hagler who said it's hard to get up early in the morning to train when you're sleeping in silk sheets. Mm-hmm. And like, so he, as a professional boxer, like he understands that like when you're at the top, it's not easy to continue to motivate yourself in the way that you did when you were at the bottom. So stripping all that down, getting Rocky in a position where it's like, he has to go back to basics. Like he literally eliminates like all technology. So that he's got nothing else to do, but train. Mm-hmm. It puts him in a position where he can connect to that person that he needs to be in order to take on a fight like Drago. Cause it's something that he knew he was trying to talk Apollo out of it in the beginning. He was just like, even though you might not think this guy like is skilled, you've only seen him fight maybe once, but he's a gold medalist. Uh, he's huge. He's younger than you. You've been retired for five years. This is not a good idea. There are three discussions with Apollo to try and talk him out of it. Three. Um, and then one in the actual fight. But there's the first time that Apollo brings it up and he ends up talking with Adrian too about it, where she weighs in and because she loves Apollo too and she's pissed. Um, there's when it's just him and Rocky talking by themselves and they're watching their old fight together, like going back to their glory days, breaking mm-hmm. down their old fight. And then again, um, in at the fight, when he after he tapes his hands, he says, maybe like postpone, postpone for like a couple weeks. Um, and it's interesting because it's definitely like a like a midlife crisis for Apollo because yeah. he had that wisdom in three because he says Rocky says, do you really think you're fighting him or are you fighting yourself? You know, mm-hmm. and Apollo kind of talks about that too, but in a different way in three, he says, the only person that you're like really fighting against is yourself. You know, that comes up. It's a, it's a common theme in, in Rocky. It even comes up in Creed. Like later Rocky says the same thing. It comes up in Rocky Balboa. Like it's, it's all, it's always there. It's like, are you fighting? Are you really fighting this person? Or are you fighting yourself, you know, to keep going forward? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's echoed in Creed three a little bit, <clears throat> excuse me, as well. Um, I think now's probably a good time to bring in the trailer because I'm so excited. Yeah. This is we have a... our, because we have our own trailer for the screen Ooh. that's coming up. Um, it's to hearts on fire and it's awesome. Uh, Nathan Boone here, who makes, who cuts most of the trailers, cut it. Um, I picked the song, wrote the copy, but his, his cut is incredible. And he's actually cut a trailer for Rocky four before I think ours is better one, (laughs) but, uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, look at that one and compare it to this too. All right. Well, let's find out before we get to that trailer. It's time for a quick word from our sponsor. Whether you've got the eye of the tiger or a burning heart, cleanliness is next to godliness, especially during the holiday season when cold and flu germs are easily spread. That's why you need man hands. The manliest soap there is, was, and ever will be. Fuck that Irish Creek crap. That spicy old stuff can eat shit. And you can take a hatchet to that other brand. Man hands is the first and last name in men's soap from now on. 
The antibacterial solution gives you a layer of extended protection against germs for up to 24 hours after a single wash. Plus, it has brand new cutting edge nanotech that stimulates muscle fiber growth. So not only will your hands be clean, germ-proof, and smelling like an 80s action icon, you'll also have the kind of handshake that people can't forget. Perfect for glad-handing at those holiday office parties. So it's time to man up and pick up some man hands. While you're at it, grab some for all the men in your family. It makes a great stocking stuffer, especially if your stocking is shaped like a hand. And now, back to the show. The Soviet Union has officially entered professional boxing. This is not just an exhibition fight, but this is us against them. He would like to compete against anyone who is qualified. Drago is the most perfectly trained athlete ever. Whatever he hits, he destroys. Stop the fight. Oh wow. They tell us that, you know, Apollo dies in the trailer. <laughs> do they say that he dies or do they just he make it? He saved his best friend's life. Oh, yep. <laughs> they do. But now the one thing Sorry Carl Weathers, we're not even going to hide that. Away. Has the fight date been set yet? December 25th. Where? Yeah. He doesn't even consult Adrian about it. No, he doesn't. Which is not like him either. Yeah. Why can't you change your thinking? Because I got brain damage. God damn it! It's so. It actually hurts me when she says you can't win. Like it's really upsetting because she's never like that. What's my favorite part of the score? I think they did a really good job with Adrian's character writing, though, because she's like the only one that takes into account the damage that comes along with being a professional fighter. Like, she's the only one that takes it seriously. Yeah, that's true. She's all, she's a really well-written character in general, always. I must break you. Nice. I love that height difference. Incredible. Right. <laughs> Rocky Four. Oh, that explosion is so good. <laughs> you guys can't see me, but I'm fist pumping in the air because I'm such a sucker for these films. Oh my god, this um, good stuff. I mean, yeah, Adrian is always well written to me. I think she's one of the best written female characters in cinema, and she's written by a man. You know, it just goes to show that you can do that, and everybody thinks that you know put attaches a lot of machismo and like like uh, masculinity uh even talks about his, uh, max masculinity to stallone but really when you look at his writing of adrian it's awesome and um and it's not like she's too, too good she's just smart and she just understands and she just loves him you know and he loves her it's great um that trailer that's pretty good like i'd want to watch that yeah i mean i want to watch it i just watched it last night and i'm like yeah okay i'll watch this again <laughs> But yeah, yeah. With regards to Adrian, I feel like for the majority of my experience watching Rocky movies, I'm more or less on Rocky's side. I'm like, I want to see him fight <laughs> because this is a movie about boxing. I want to see him box. But in watching it now, I was like, I feel more like I'm on Adrian's side. 
if if I were her, I would also be like, don't take this fight. You're past your prime. Like you just lost last year and had to fight to get your belt back. And now you want to travel to Russia without talking to me about it. Fight this young Russian kid who just killed your best friend. Like, so the risks of his decision are probably like more apparent than ever before, because it's like you literally just held your best friend in your arms as he died in the ring fighting this guy. And you're thinking that you're just going to go over to Russia and fight him and you're not going to consult me about it. Like it's fucked up in a way that I didn't like pay attention to as much. But I think in the director's cut, the one thing that I liked is that they sort of changed the narrative around the the reason to fight in the first place mm-hmm. like apollo feels that he is obligated like by the warrior's code to okay. take this fight and at his funeral scene uh his trainer even says like the warrior gets to choose like how he lives and how he dies and then so even though rocky is trying to like push back against that and get him to not take the fight what ends up happening is that he's honor bound to take Mm -hmm. the fight and avenge his friend's death if he can so Mm -hmm. it is like a weird narrative to to on the one hand be like here's this warrior code that we know is only going to result in like the worst possible thing yet i have to adhere to it despite the fact that i have a woman that loves me i'm rich my kids are well taken care of i even brought my i bought my like loafer brother a a servant robot to bring him beer and flirt with whatever so it's like (laughs) he has no real reason to fight and they even tried to when apollo was asking rocky why he didn't take the fight and rocky was just like saying well i don't know i don't know if i'm gonna take the fight i don't know he was clearly at the point where he's like i'm done with boxing and then in talking to Adrian, she's very concerned with like both Apollo and Rocky's health fighting this young guy. Mm-hmm. And then so as bad as like Rocky five might be, the thing that I like about Rocky five is that it and this movie, it actually takes into account like the damage that these guys are going through. And then Rocky five yes. centers around like him having CTE basically and being yes being in a position where he shouldn't fight anymore. And he's actually being told by the doctors that like, this is the final frontier. And a lot of that is from this fight in particular with Drago. Well, the thing is Adrian has not wanted, (laughs) wanted Rocky to fight since Rocky two. Yeah. Like she went back to work because she didn't want him to fight. And then he didn't know what to do with himself because he's always been a fighter. He made a lot of money off the Apollo fight in one. So I think she thought, mm, you know, we're good. Um, so she hasn't wanted him to fight a long time. And one of the things I love about Rocky too was that the first thing we see, um, spoiler, if you haven't seen it, came out like almost 40, 44 years ago. So <laughs> good luck. <laughs> if you're listening but... <laughs> to a podcast about Rocky four and you haven't seen Rocky two, that's not on us. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I love that they're, immediately uh driven to i always say i love that they're immediately driven to the hospital like we never see that we don't see that when we're watching boxing we don't see that you know in other boxing movies where they were like rushed to the hospital immediately um because i mean they're so injured but it's like life-threatening basically (laughs) could be um so she hasn't wanted to fight for so long 
And so every time they step in the ring, she's going to be concerned, you know? And so, especially now at their age where they're not as swift, you know, or strong or whatever, because, uh, you know, even in Creed, um, Rocky talks about the only reason why he was able to beat Apollo because was because of time. That's time was <laughs> Apollo's enemy when he finally beat him. So, uh, she knows all that. They all know that. They, that he, he after Apollo is beaten by Rocky, that's basically it for should be it for him. Because if that because if he's that good of a fighter and Rocky was able to get the jump on him, you know, that last time, that means he's just run out of steam. Not because he's not a good fighter, but because of nature. Um, and so uh yeah, she puts she wants to put her foot down and he goes against it. I'm showing the theatrical cut. So you're not going to get that kind of like, you're not going to get it. Maybe that deepness that you find in the, his uh, director's cut. But um, I think that it's still there in the parent, you know, because it's in the music too. <laughs> um, it talks about like um, burning heart is basically like tells the story of <laughs> Rocky four where he talks about, they talk about the warrior code in the mm-hmm. lyrics um and so there is and also you have to remember in rocky three you know apollo like dug him out like of his funk you know what i mean after mickey died and so i feel like he really felt feels like he owes apollo a lot to his success you know like from since the beginning they've been tied they're their fates (laughs) have been tied together since their first fight in you know back in the day so um i think that uh that's more to, to me i always think about that i'm like oh they're just been tied together since the beginning like that was like the big real beginning of rocky's career as a fighter you know um and uh and then with adrian she is right she is right she's right on so many levels she's right because he didn't consult her and then she's right like as his wife he should have consulted her but she's also just right just factually because they've run out of steam um and uh yeah and then one of the things that i love about how she's presented because she's not in like a good chunk of this when when he first gets to russia no but one of my favorite things that ever happens in television or movies and storytelling is when a character comes back right when they're needed most it's (laughs) Thing. oh i love it so much and so right when he's like grown a beard you know and just is like just you can tell he's just trying to push forward she just is showing up she's at the door after what montage three or something like that yeah i Mo- think i wrote montage. that i was like wow, this is the fourth straight montage in a row okay i'm telling you <laughs> it happens like every few minutes basically like he has a montage, uh, no easy way out when he's driving, Best which is driving montage inc- ever. Listen, it's an incredible montage because it it's, it's cut together. Like it's genius. It's, it has cut together every other Rocky film before of flashbacks, like incorporated that. So all the way up to moments before <laughs> with 
Adrian and him fighting on the steps. That's a flashback in that montage, which I think is incredible, along with like their love story from the very first film um, and every other, all three movies before it. It's like all cut together in that. It's incredible. And it's basically the entire song. It's like it's that one is almost the entire song. And then I'm within three minutes, Burning Heart. Mm -hmm. Like, and then within like a couple minutes after that, there's like another montage, like another, like a, like a, I want to say, uh, like a instrumental maybe montage or something like that. Cause there's one of those. And yeah. There's yeah. like the, oh, the number that I read was that approximately 39% of the <laughs> film in total is yeah, like a third. And okay, so fifty yeah. percent of the final half of the film is montages. Yeah. The last fifty minutes of the film, half of that is montage, <laughs> and they come close together. Like they're like three minutes, two minutes apart um, sometimes, and it's kind of awesome. It's like one music video after yeah. another. Um, it's it's really fun, <laughs> and um, I think the one in the car is. Like, it's my favorite because of the things you mentioned. Like, I think this idea that, like, I need to go for a drive to clear my head kind of thing. Right. So that's what mm-hmm. Rocky's doing. And in the process, like, we don't get this conversation between him and Adrian of, like, the why should you do it? Why shouldn't you do it? Let's have that conversation because we already have had that conversation. Mm-hmm. And so this is him going for this drive and realizing, like, literally, I don't want to do this. I have my wife, I have my life, I'm successful, but I have to do this thing. And in the process of going on this drive, like he has the theoretical conversation with Adrian. He has the flashbacks to those moments where he knows that here's the reasons that I shouldn't be doing this. But at the end of the day, it's like, well, this is a Rocky movie and I need to go (laughs) avenge my fallen friend here. And I just, yeah, I loved it. And then it just goes montage, montage, montage. (laughs) And I mean, that's pretty great, too, because it's like it just feels fast. Like, I know it's only an hour and a half anyway, but like that whole middle of the film, like it breezes by. And then it's like, oh, wow, we jumped from (laughs) he's putting the belt on his uh, coffin. to (laughs) He's stepping into the ring in Russia and it feels like no time has passed. Yeah, because it's the pacing is incredible. It's the shortest Rocky movie, right? I think. Um, Yeah. And uh, the pacing is is just is is awesome. And he yeah, one of the in one of those montages, he grows a beard. He goes, he grows. (laughs) I'm not joking. Like in one montage, he starts with stubble. And by the time he's done and he sees Adrian at the at the door of the cabin. He has a full beard and that is to show that time has passed. Yeah. And he's Italian. So we don't know, like, was this a week? Was this a month? Was this several months of training? I mean, typically like a good training camp is probably like three to four months. And especially for a fight of that magnitude. It's a thick beard. It's a thick beard. It's like prominent. It's been a while. Um, And it's, (laughs) (laughs) but I like also how quickly they patch up because she knows he has to focus and he has to get to, to work. I, I like that it's not this big conversation. She basically is like, I love you no matter what. And he says, no, no matter what. And then there's like an embrace and a kiss. And it's, they both look gorgeous too. I just love, <laughs> I, just, I feel like what is wrong 
you know, there are people, there are certain directors that get this, like Sofia Coppola, I think she gets this. What's wrong with like everybody just looking awesome? Like their clothes are awesome, their makeup's awesome, their hair is awesome. Like, and he just looks so fit and he's wearing that big winter coat and the toque and like, oh, that's like a knitted ski hat for people (laughs) (laughs) that are Canadian. Um, And then she looks, you know, cute and she has a nice coat and boots and it's just, and they're in the wind, you know, they're in the snowy, you know, Russia. It's beautiful. I think that's, yeah. And also just like I Stallone, clearly he, he loves a great, an excellent aesthetic, you know, it's just like, even when we're in Vegas and like, there's the whole big show with uh, Apollo um and it's so flashy and so big and the russians are so annoyed but then they have their version of it too yes it's not as fun because it's not james brown but it's like giant pictures of stalin uh... (laughs) (laughs) this is how we celebrate And then like, was it like just... the, the Gorbachev, Gorbachev, uh, yeah, sort of Gorbachev. like he's not an impersonator, so but he designs to look like him for yes. sure. Yes, and just give like disapproving stares. I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> they have their version. <laughs> I mean, if anybody listens to this in Russia, like you know, take it easy on us. Yeah, I apologize. Um, <laughs> but it's, I mean, that's what's in the movie. I didn't do it. That's um, true. Take your beef up with uh, Sly. Um, but uh yeah i just like that it's all like big set sets and you know it's it's wonderful and everybody just looked like drago looks like he's gorgeous like um and uh his wife uh, bridget nelson looks amazing she has my favorite lines in this movie um something like um you have the you have the belief that um you're so you know that you're better than us that's whole thing you have the belief that you're better than us you have this belief you know that mm. you're so very good and we're so very bad oh i love that it's just i love that whole thing and it's um, kind of weird that you know her and stallone got married after this movie mm. and then when he released the director's cut he basically cut all of her dialogue out of it <laughs> so it's so petty it's so it's so petty <laughs> <laughs> like, she's, dude, she's got the think? line too about the like the death threats where yeah, she it's says like, that she's scared yeah yeah and like that's a moment where i think as the audience like there is some room to have sympathy there and i think like especially in watching the director's cut and seeing a little bit more of how they framed drago like there is sympathy to be had for this character he's not just this machine that he's made out to be and I think that's a little bit more at the core of the story than it gets credit for because he is, I agree. he's like part of this propaganda machine and we get the look at him uh, at the end where his trainer's like screaming at him that you got to stop this guy. They're cheering for Rocky out here. Like you're, you're fucking up and win it for Russia basically. And he's like, I fight for me. Like I'm here to fight for myself, not to be part of this thing that i'm part of so it gives him a little bit more like individual like personality than i guess i remembered yeah he yeah he he is part of like a machine they actually treat him like that they talk around him they they rarely i mean he doesn't seem to have much to say but still um 
you know, uh, he's, he's kind of the way they train him is much like, it looks like a horse, you know, he's yeah. not really like, uh, doesn't seem like a person. They just pump him full of stuff and just like, are all just like looking at him like a racehorse. Um, and then, uh, um, but when she does say that she's concerned, I mean, there's no reason not to believe her. Like I, when I was younger, in my mind, there were such villains, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, I think that often is like the case that changes over time when you get older and you, you look at things in a different way and you have experience and wisdom, you kind of can see that, that it's not, uh, it's more gray. Uh, it's not so black and white. Um, but it is when you're younger, it does make sense that you would just like draw those lines, you know? For me, it was a little different in my house because my name is Vanya. My brother's name is Yuri. My dad has a whole Russia file thing happening. So he was like, mm. we would look at this. <laughs> we would look at this um, movie and be like, you know, my dad was like, he liked this movie, but he would also have some things to say about, <laughs> about, or about Russia that were more complex. So, uh, and and it's in, it's it is interesting that like even Apollo says it's us versus them. So like he does like kind of present in that way, and then you could see maybe now as I'm older, um, uh, when she says like I, we're getting death threats and stuff like that, I'm concerned for my husband and for myself. You know that he's gonna get hurt and stuff like that. And then when she also introduces herself to Apollo's, um, wife and says I hope we can be friends after. When I was younger, I, I used to be think to myself, I never used this language back then because I didn't have it. But I would be like, shady bitch, you know, like, right. who do you, like, <laughs> you know, like, really, do you, re are you really wanting to be friends after? But it's kind of like, why not? You know what I mean? Now I look at it, and I'm like, I have no reason not to believe her, you know. Other than um, that, she's like Russian and dressed a certain way, and her and her so husband hot. wear the same clothes and have the same haircut. Like, that makes it a little weird, but. Her haircut's so hot. She's so hot. Like <laughs> I knew it then. <laughs> I wanted to kind of be her, but also liked yeah. her, you know, simultaneously. She's just so beautiful. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh yeah, it like all works for her. But yeah, she yeah, there's no reason not to believe that she's she feels threatened. Um, and that is like a perfect reason for Rocky as a an honorable person too to say yes to going to Russia as opposed to fighting at home. It's actually like the perfect reason. Yeah. They also removed the scene from the theatrical cut of the boxing commission explaining why they wouldn't sanction the fight. Mm. And so I'm, I'm watching the movie and like, I, since I've seen this movie, I became a big combat sports fan and I've watched mm. a lot of boxing over the years. I've been to several like mixed martial arts events in mm -hmm. california and vegas and well one of the things i notice is that even in the 2000s era probably like 2005 and beyond we would go to events and it would be just like oh okay this fighter's from korea this fighter's from america the fight's going on and then in the building eventually you start hearing like usa usa and i'm like for me this gave me an opportunity to be a fan of George St. Pierre, who's from Canada. I mean, a guy like Conor McGregor from Ireland became the biggest star in the sport. Mm. Uh, Khabib is a Russian. He's Dagestani. But so you've got like all these stars and Yair uh, Rodriguez from Mexico. Now you've got like so many different stars from different parts of the world. And to mm -hmm. see 
that the fan base gets behind them, not because of where they're from, but because of how they fight and who they are in the ring was interesting. Yes. But then also to still be like, oh, yeah, but when I go to the events in person, you still hear the drunken USA chants. And it's like, <laughs> oh, this person's from China and they say horrible things or there's a woman fighting and you hear some jabroni in the back yelling like kicker in the snatch or some dumb shit. I was like, I realized that going to the events live is not really like my cup of tea. It's nice right. for the like experience, but ultimately I'm like, there's just so much drinking going on and like there's fights in the stands and all this shit. And I'm like, yeah, I'm too old to Gross. be getting involved in that garbage. <laughs> yeah, you're that's your Murtaugh energy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh <laughs> but in in the context of like watching combat sports since Rocky. Like this was probably one of the catalyst reasons for why I got into boxing and mixed mm. martial arts later in life is because of the Rocky movies. And so to see a character design like Apollo and I'm thinking to myself, like, is he supposed to be like the anti Ali? Because you have a guy like Muhammad Ali who goes from being, you know, Cassius Clay to Muhammad Ali. He gets thrown in jail for not supporting the war effort. Yes. And yes. so he loses time off of his career. And then here we get Apollo who wears the American trunks is like, I have to fight this guy for the USA because it's us yes. against them. It's very interesting. But in terms of like the way they designed him, it's like he moves a lot, like he dances a lot in the ring. He likes to be fast. He does a lot of like the taunting stuff. So it's like it seems like they did do a little mimicking of that uh, Muhammad Ali persona for Apollo but then changed enough to be able to sort of like wiggle what they want into the story. Well, I think that you could say that they're just, that Apollo comes from that same school, you know, yeah. of like, I think separating the man and his sport from his politics and his morality, they could, they could be similar, you know, in their school of like how they learn to fight. You know what I mean? Like, what kind of fighter do they were or like, are they, you know, cause you know, Apollo in three talks about like a certain rhythm, you know what I mean? That yeah. like a black fighter would have like a certain kind of style that they, they'll have. And so they could come from that same school, you know what I mean? And then there's trash talking, which we know is like in different sports is like, you know, a part of the culture, oh, yeah. you know, also. So there is that, but then like, Apollo has more of a, a pride uh, and um, issue than Muhammad Ali. You know what I mean? In that, like, I don't think Muhammad Ali as much as everything he said, he could put his money where his mouth is. Right. But, and I think for Apollo, for the most part, you know, that was him too. But then where they're, where they differ is that um, I think, you know, Muhammad Ali would let go of that kind of pride, you know, for more important things where, um, you know, Apollo got swayed by that. Maybe they just come from different places on a, um, you know, in a personal, on a personal level, but largely as boxers, they're like maybe from the similar, similar school, you know? Yeah. I just, I feel like for a movie to be released in the eighties about boxing to have like, uh, iconic American heavyweight champion, it's like, you kind of can't act like Muhammad Ali doesn't exist in history. Exactly. So I'm sure I'm sure Stallone was like, there's things I like about this character and his style that I want to yeah. like bring here. But it brings me back to that particular fight where Apollo 
dies, I'm like, first of all, he's circling left into the straight right hand of Drago over and over again. Like strategically, he had a horrible game plan for this fight. Like stop jabbing and circling to your left. You got to go <laughs> the other direction. And then he's basically winning the whole time until Drago's corner is just like attack. And then Drago hits him with one punch <laughs> and the whole fight turns. But then Drago should have been disqualified multiple times. And then he, he hits him with a late punch. He shoves the referee, shoves the referee. In, order, in order to continue attacking him. And I'm yes. like, that's manslaughter. So that's... they kind of gloss over that in the theatrical cut. And the so I was like, OK, I don't remember this meeting that Rocky has with the uh, I don't know if it's the WBO or whoever the organizing body is for his mm -hmm. championship. They tell him, like, no, we can't sanction this fight. This guy's got one professional fight. A guy just died. We're not going to allow this fight to be sanctioned in the U.S. And so Rocky's like, all right, well, I'm going to fight this guy. And so I'm going around you. And that's why we're going to Russia. Right. And that's another good reason on top of, yeah, the other stuff, but them wanting to go home. But yeah, because it is manslaughter. He straight up murders uh, Apollo because he's knocked out anything that can uh that can put limits and boundaries on the fight like at, once you've now thrown the referee away mm -hmm. <laughs> physically thrown him uh then it's like it's over like that's you acting you know maliciously trying to really really hurt somebody and then he dies and so and then he actually says it he like signs his confession by being like if he dies he dies while apollo's still in the ring which is a very popular line but yeah. it's like what him saying that is is kind of like here's my confession that i just straight up murdered this man in the ring um and it's yeah it is glossed over in the theatricals cut um but yeah he he's he's murdered him he's 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 killed him and that's another reason why you know why rocky probably wants to follow through with this too because it's not just simply like a just a loss and then an accident yeah, exactly you know? and so i'd like i guess i i didn't expect the movie to really like get into the sort of like behind the scenes negotiations like with the boxing commission but i like that the director's cut actually like included that it's in the trailer too but they don't i think show that in the theatrical version of the film so it tells me that Stallone as the filmmaker is much more aware of like the story he's telling and sort of the, the tether to reality that he wants to maintain as far as boxing. Cause you know, obviously the boxing is a certain style in this where it's not super realistic. Uh, I mean, he wants them like landing punches and stuff, but I think, I think somewhere in the trivia I was reading said that like, there's not a single punch in the final fight that is blocked by an opponent like they just yeah. land they just land or miss the entire time yes. so it's like okay you're gonna land 10 on me i'm gonna land 10 on you we're gonna go back and forth here but there's not like much technical boxing going on so to then yeah. step out of that and be like well i want to include the scene with the boxing commission explaining like that this guy did something illegal that we're not going to sanction the fight that it's not like that they actually are doing the things that the commission should be doing, even though a lot of athletic commissions that govern combat sports are very, very shady and have done a lot mm -hmm. of dirty things over the years to include that conversation tells me that at least as a filmmaker and as a storyteller, 
Stallone had a very precise vision for what he wanted to do with this film. And Mm -hmm. uh, I was glad to at least see that included in the director's cut. He, I mean, I just, again, I think he's just a really smart storyteller. I think he is a thoughtful storyteller and doesn't really get credit for that. Um, And even if, even in his theatrical cut, this, theme that he wanted to end with was like peace (laughs) so that's what he was leading to all along was you know why are you doing this why on christmas day why you know like this idea that he's trying to that rocky's trying to bring people together and end the cold war um but like also (laughs) just (laughs) you know when he says you know that i i could feel people changing you know during this fight and if i can and then you know I felt like changed by you and you felt changed by me, then basically we can all change, you know? And it's like, he's trying to, in that loss, trying to find something else, you know, he lost Apollo, but he's trying to come away with something that is positive from that, everything that's happened between them. And that positive thing is (laughs) Russia and uh, (laughs) the United States coming together you know, and seeing, like, good in each other. Yeah, and, like, in in fairness, that final fight, when, I, I guess it's probably round two. Like, Rocky gets his ass kicked in the first round, then in the second round, he comes out, he fights back a little bit, and then, like, the music cues in before it gets into another montage. Like, when, when the music queued up, like, when he lands a couple big punches, and it's, like, it's a fight now i was like i yeah. i got goosebumps right now i'm like yeah. they, it's so well structured uh, that like oh. just that little tonal shift is like okay like rocky is gonna make this a fight that synth like kicking at that mm-hmm. like that when that kicks in is incredible like yeah i'm freaking out right now i'm like so excited <laughs> I'm gonna watch it all over again <laughs> right but at least listen to that score like oh it's so incredible can we talk a little bit about the score? Cause like, yeah. Uh, um, Vince Sicola, you know, I think I read that he got a Razzie for like worst music or something. Yeah. Like that. Nominated for it. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. Nominated, which I think is outrageous because it's, in, it's an incredible score. And not only is it a wonderful score throughout, he incorporates different things. Like uh, he does um, with hearts and fire. He, he does this build um, up until it gets to, and he adds in Conti's going to fly now. Mm. It's when he's climbing, when he's going up the mountain and it's, and it's all like his score. And it's, you know, it's like, and then all of a sudden it's like, like it, it brings in the original score. That is incredible. And it's seamless and it's so seamless, but you get this, like, it's still, he has his, a layer of like that eighties synth vibe built in and with, you know conti's like that classic uh conti does synth stuff too but not when he did rocky so it's like uh it, it, just the incorporating the two oh it's incredible and then he does that too with um with burning heart where he uses uh you know he builds his score into it and you know it's it's throughout the film it's it's in, it's incredible how all everything lands there's a gr- excellent needle drops but then vince Nicola's score is like incredible 
Yeah, and it's it's got to be especially difficult to make a film where you have these needle drops and then to still like put your personal stamp on it and to then also like pay homage to the iconic yeah. original Rocky score that has, you know, worked its way into people's hearts and minds over the past the previous what decade at that point. If you if you didn't watch Rocky if you knew nothing about Rocky, till this day, people know that score, even if they've never watched Rocky or know nothing about it. They know that they know that it, that score deeply. It's like just one of those things that um, sur- kind of surpassed. It, it stands on its own separate. So you have to kind of this it's been twice now where i've seen a composer incorporate that score it's like you don't want to leave it behind kind of thing you know it's so much it's a it's a character it's 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 like rocky's it's part of rocky is like as a character it's part of him you know like you want to have like a little touch of it to like tell the story yeah it's it's up there with like the jaws music and oh for sure so you know when we had done September for film club and we talked about a little bit about, you know, Superman, which you picked and like, Mm -hmm. we kind of got into man of steel a little bit, but I think one of the biggest missteps that Zack Snyder and that man of steel universe did was it's like, even though the score is good, the Superman music is so iconic that leaving that off the table is a mistake. And so Brian Singer's Superman Returns like isn't overly loaded with the Donner music, but it still incorporates the main theme like when it's appropriate and it makes it feel like it's connected to the character in a way that like the Rocky music does. When you hear that music, you know, it's Rocky. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like you're right, because if you bring in the John Williams, like if they had done that with Superman, I think there there's like a it's like part of the beating heart of the character in a way and it will that familiarity even if you didn't watch the original superman you would have got you would have gotten something out of it because you you know people just know it uh and so rocky that's where one thing where what's i think it's ludwig goranson i think he did the creed one and he brought in uh conti too um and so i think vince nicola though (laughs) Like he just, he blew out of the water. Like it's it, because it's such a music heavy. Um, actually, I should talk about this with my screening too. Um, because I feel like a lot of the film is a music video, like yeah. with multiple songs. Um, I really wanted to have a ba- band. So mm. there's a band in Toronto um, that was, who was the premier um, Miami Connections uh, cover band. Uh-huh. They're called Drag- Dragon, they're called Dragon Sounds. Um, <laughs> and uh, they are, they're awesome. Um, there's a, another programmer uh, called Brandon Lim. Um, he has a program called uh, Black Belt Cinema. Uh, and that's his house band now. Cause he's in, he's part of that band. Um, and they are going to be doing, playing Rocky hits uh from the they're going to be playing music from the rocky soundtrack uh, about like a short set before the screening on december 13th so that's awesome i because i really really wanted to have a band i really wanted to have there's another band toronto that used to do um that was a rocky cover band called balboa um and 
um, for reasons they they're they're not playing right now. Um, but I was like determined. <laughs> so one of their members is in uh, going to play that night too. Uh, in, in Dragon Sounds, I was really determined to have like music, something like that, because it's such a music heavy film and it's done so well that um, I thought it would be fun. So I think it's gonna be a good night. That is, that sounds like a lot of fun. I wish, that, <laughs> I wish I lived closer than California, <laughs> right? Like you would have such a great time. We're gonna have a, sh- we're gonna have a T-shirt. It's gonna be, it's gonna be great. Um, and I just, I, yeah, I, yeah. I wish we had transporters, Nick, because you would totally be there. It'd be great. Well, if I live long enough to do <laughs> teleportation technology, <laughs> we'll stop by one of the screenings. <laughs> Uh, or maybe we'll have a time machine and we can go back to this point and you can be like, and can go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I hope that I will make it out to Toronto at some point. I know I'm supposed to go to Buffalo at some point. I was going to go mm. this year and then uh, the wedding planning sort of took over that. But next year, I'm going to put it on the calendar. I want to go to Buffalo for a game. So I mean, oh, I'll, right. I'll be pretty close at that point. That- I feel like I have to, you know cross the border over bit. to toronto at that point <laughs> just a little bit further well it's a yeah. lot further but <laughs> like it's just across the falls right <laughs> <laughs> just that <laughs> it's so big here <laughs> <Yeah. So> far <laughs> away <laughs> um yeah so uh yeah i'm so yeah i i just need to talk about uh the Sicola and that um but yeah this movie you're right it does have a lot of depth. I just love uh Solon as a storyteller. I I I feel like in a way I feel like he was so ahead with this film, like just that, like what I talked about before, that MTV kind of drive. He also understood, I think it was Siskel that talked about how he he liked this movie. And uh I think he was saying how um he just understood the David and Goliath. Um aspect of of this film he knew he knows how to make you not like a character Mm -hmm. he knew he knew how to set that up so that you wouldn't like him and then you would be you know you're rude against him but he's like a compelling even though he doesn't have a lot to say he's like still really compelling you know um there is like a kind of like like uh, like an animated aspect of, like they're all the colors and stuff like that i like the iconography of rocky right like just the colors even the whole the whole russian thing is very attached to the series now because of this film and then obviously there's like he loves taking like these items through in this he has the hat that he was he's given from apollo that we learn about at the beginning of the movie and then he wears it when he's when he lands in russia but the but the shorts, the the Star Spangled Banner shorts, they yeah. always follow. They just follow along for so long, you know. Like Apollo wore those, but then Rocky ends up right wearing them. He's worn he he's worn them multiple times in the ring. Like even though those are Apollo's colors, um, and then end up Creed Creed ends up wearing them, but um. Adonis ends up wearing them but I just love that iconography that is followed through there's like it's very consistent there's not a lot of I think that's lasted so long because of that like holding on to these like little little markers that like he's very smart and making sure that they're it's consistent and familiar and keeps reminding you of all these that you're part of it 
kind of by learning about it over the years, you know? Yeah, it's an interesting through line through the entire franchise that like this one item not just represents sort of like greatness. It doesn't just represent like being the top dog in boxing. It represents a certain amount of responsibility and a certain way of fighting that Mm -hmm. goes along with that. And I think that's really what, like you said, connects people to that item reminds you of the history of who wore that before. It's like, it's always sort of calling back to the origins of the franchise and the characters. And he doesn't, it's interesting how he does it with clothes a lot too. And, you know, he clearly cares about that kind of thing. Like even the tiger jacket, you know, that is in (laughs) Rocky too. Like, I love that thing. And people know what that, people know that as a Rocky item. Like he has a, he has a store. Someone has a store and he can sell these things because people know, like he has like a pendant and it looks like Rocky's hat. Like his little hat from uh, the first Rocky, the little, pork bite kind of hat Mm -hmm. and then he uh has like the sweater that he's wearing when he's cleaning the car in this movie you know with the italian colors you know it's like uh i think it's maybe an adidas sweater and it has like a red and green stripes and 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 white like there's all these like little things that he's like connected to the character over the years uh adrian's red beret i wear a red beret like and (laughs) i'm on my second one that i have i've owned i always (laughs) own one i always own one because i think i didn't think about it before but i realized oh my god it's just adrian that's the reason i wear i wear a red beret since i found one at a like a thrift shop you know when i was really young and i i was drawn to it i was like oh now i realize it's because of Adrian took me a while to like have that <laughs> sink in. Um, and then, yeah. And then when that one got holes in it, I just bought a new one to replace it. But he, you know, he, he keeps this kind of palette going that you you stay connect with, connected with always that he can kind of fall back to. And I, I love that. Well, I got, since we're talking about clothes, which it seems like we're going to do every time we get together, Rocky's <laughs> Rocky's blue sweater in this that he's just wearing like at the dinner table when they're talking to Apollo and he goes into the kitchen. Yeah. It's just like, it's just something he's wearing casually. It's not like as fancy as some of this other stuff, but I'm like, damn, this sweater is really nice. I like this. It's a great <laughs> yeah. color. It kind of like yeah. the weekend at Bernie's jacket color as well. That, like, <laughs> yeah. that powdery blue. Yeah, it's it's quite sexy actually, um, because you can see his figure through it too. Maybe that's um, it. He's like, I, I busted my ass <laughs> to get in great shape for this, so I'm gonna wear some stuff that's flattering. I think people don't uh, like forget because they weren't part of that time or they don't remember like how he was in people's minds. How Stallone like dominated so much of people's thoughts, you know, yeah. in that time. And it's really interesting that we're talking about him now. And I feel like, you know, his documentary just came out, um, yeah. Sly, and he's like oddly prominent in the Barbie movie, you know, <laughs> <laughs> because Ken is like really like Greta Gerwig is a big fan of uh, Stallone's and so is Ryan Gosling. And so they really like studied like his look. And so Ken kind of emulates that with the fur coats and yeah. stuff that he was wearing. The headband, it was the glasses. And even I was, I went to see, there was an anniversary screening of um, Summer Party Massacre. And um, in Summer Party Massacre, the little sister, she's looking at a, like a, like a playgirl and Sly is on the, on the cover. <laughs> and I've, found it and i bought 
<laughs> they got him wearing like a polo shirt on the cover of Playgirl. He's wearing like no, it's like a like a sweater, oh, okay. like a like a like a oh no, like a Henley. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a blue. It's blue. Um, yeah, he's just like he was like a style icon. And and how, so he, how naked is he in that? He's not really naked. I got it for the yeah. articles, Nick. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be real. <laughs> No, he he's not the centerfold in this. He's oh. just not, he's just the cover the cover story. Um, this is from 1981. Um, and uh, yeah, it just covers a bunch of bunch of stuff happening. Um, it's a big article in here, a bunch of pages, but uh, he's on naked in it. Unfortunately, Stallone's got a big <laughs> article. <laughs> uh but i just so one of the reasons why i like stallone and i know i go on about him a lot to people and i'm sure people are sick of me talking about him but it's just his mark on cinema is really really big and i think people don't really recognize that but it's i'm i love movies and he clearly loves movies and he's it's really if you really look at you know his of his um contribution i think when he uh touch wood when he's no longer with us i think people will unfortunately it's when people will really truly start to recognize his his uh the weight he has on this industry yeah and it's like it's an interesting parallel that the way that rocky started and sort of like where stallone started and his adherence to the character and his commitment to the character and the script and that sort of like launching him into superstardom is an interesting like parallel between him and the character. So I think as he continued to make the movies and write about the character, the the personal aspect of it was shining through. And I think that's probably the reason that we all love Rocky in the way that we do is that this is coming from a very like personal and real place that is sort of like speaking to the time in his life, like sort of as it's happening. Yeah, even when he is the most at his most prosperous, and we see Rocky and that in that place too, or when you know maybe people aren't paying attention to him as much, we see him kind of in that place too with mm-hmm. Rocky Balboa. Um, I mean, and I think it was I just I was really excited when Rocky Balboa was doing really well, and it was like, and it was and it was really good, you know. It was people, yeah. re- people really recognize that. Um, yeah, it's exciting. It is. You want to do some trivia? <laughs> Time for trivia. Uh, yeah, I'm so. Why am I so scared about this trivia? Like, I feel like I don't want to <laughs> fail. Um. <laughs> There's no failing. It's just for fun. I know. Funsies. I know. Okay. All, All right. right. Let's see. How so, I so, question <laughs> number one: The training scenes in Russia were actually filmed in which? U.S. state. I know it. I know it. Do you? Why, Wyoming. Oh, you do know it. Look at that. <laughs> I actually know that. I don't Look know why one I know for that. One. Don't be afraid. I, <laughs> I can't. I can't explain why I know that. Don't ask me. I just know. Okay. Well, you might know this. You might know the second one then too. That this was the last film 
that Sylvester Stallone directed until 2006 when he returned for which film? Is it a Rambo movie? No. You just mentioned it a second ago. I did? Yeah. I overthought it. See uh-huh. what I did to myself? Mm. Yeah, it's like, I know you know this because you yeah, literally it's... just mentioned it. <laughs> it's because I, 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 I overthought it and I got anxious. I, yeah. I, I'm going to call that two for two. Oh, thanks. You're so generous. <laughs> All right. Third <laughs> and final question for this round. This is the only Rocky movie not to include new footage of which Philadelphia institution? Um, Mickey's gym. Wait, no, no. You mean like a real, oh no, like a real place. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> is it the art, is it the, the art museum? The, it the is stuff? the Philadelphia Museum of Art. Was not included <laughs> in Rocky you Ford. You mean like a real place? <laughs> I can't believe I just thought that happened to me. <laughs> Mickey's gym might be a real place. We don't know. I haven't been. That I haven't been to every that, crevice of Philly. That corner is real. I don't know if I don't know what's happening there. But well, there you go. Three for three. I had some. I, yeah, I'm three for three. But I had some like mishaps along the way. That's okay. So you <laughs> win ugly. It's totally fine. It's, that's Rocky style. You yeah, got to take Rocky. some lumps in the yeah. process. Listen. I'm not going to lie. I think that when I played sports when I was younger, I was the way I was never the best athlete. No, nowhere near the best. And what my coaches all said was just scrappy, just scrappy. She'll just keep, keep going, keep going. No matter what. I remember like I hurt myself at a, at a, like a slow pitch game. And I play, I played, I played with a sprained ankle. I, I like ran home. Like and and got like and we won and it was all and it was awesome it was great like and I remember like getting like semi lifted up when we came home like to this because it was like in the middle of the day we played which was really rare and we got to like celebrate our win at, back at school and everybody was like half lifting me because I couldn't walk on my ankle and they were like she ran home and I was like yeah. Like it was so very rocky. I I know that I was thinking about Rocky a lot. Then I was I was twelve years old. Yeah, <laughs> got a little fighter in you after all. Uh, scrap. I have to. I was scrappy. I'm like not. I, you know, I wasn't much. I'm short, and so I had to make up for a lot of the things. Yeah, <laughs> gotta work harder than everybody. With heart, just, yeah. just like Rocky. Exactly. And he has that moment in the movie where he talks to his son about like sort of what fighting is and like why he fights and about overcoming like the challenge of fighting. And it is like a sweet moment because he knows too, like his friend, I think Apollo had died at that point in the film where he's having this conversation with his son. Mm -hmm. And it is sort of like he has to kind of prepare him like I'm taking a massive risk. And I also might die here, but I have to do this thing. And I just want you as my kid to know, like, the reasons behind why I'm doing it. 
Yeah, it's it, it's interesting because he also just, he talks about being a fighter and how it's the only thing he knows and it's just what you do. Um, it's 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 interesting that he because um, he learns so much along the way in each, each film that part of me is like I can't believe he's making this decision again but also it is kind of just who he is who he's always really been uh, and um, but yeah he he does want different things for his kid which I think is interesting too because so he knows it's you know not necessarily not for everybody not everybody should be doing what he does yeah and that character dynamic comes into play in rocky five and in uh rocky balboa as well as he has to sort of grapple with the reality of the relationship with his son because in mm-hmm. in five it's like he's adopted sort of tommy as his <laughs> surrogate son and so like his son isn't getting that attention because his son is not a fighter so it's like he's not having that same element uh, with mm-hmm. his dad. And then in Rocky Balboa, it's like his son is fully grown adult and he has to, you know, start to try to rebuild that relationship that was damaged after the course of, you know, basically the fourth and fifth films. Well, it, yeah. It's I like that. Um, the last line of the film, too, though, is a bit to his kid. Like, you know, is it? Um, he says to my kid, he probably should be sleeping right now. Merry Christmas. <laughs> and then he says, I love you. And then his kid kind of, I think, mouths it. And that's the, that's the end of the movie. And that's why it's a Christmas movie because yeah. everyone learns Russia. Everybody learns the true meaning of Christmas, which is love. <laughs> <laughs> Would you be surprised to learn that this is the highest grossing film in the franchise? No. It's interesting that it's this one because it is negatively viewed by critics, but I think beloved by audiences for its riskness, you know? (laughs) Yeah. You get in, you get out, you get the fight with the Russian, you get the themes and it's not asking you to really do a, a ton as an audience member. And it's just, even though that this one was 85, it still has outgrossed the, the Creed franchise movies, which just based on like the, the volume of, uh, or the, mm-hmm. the overall ticket price right now for a movie is a lot more expensive than it was in 85. So right. to see that this is still held up as the highest grossing film says a lot about it. Yeah, it, it's the way it's like, it's packaged so well, too the the movie it's it's um you know every little aspect of it like what i was talking about in the iconography and how everything looks it's a really quite a glitzy film too it's like splashy you know um then also the soundtrack it makes people excited um and yeah it doesn't it doesn't surprise me at all that it like i think a lot of people connect connected with it it's like they couldn't really understand or wrap grapple with some of the themes in the earlier for like the first couple of films that this one kind of you know people at a certain age this was their rocky film you know everybody people have their 
a lot of people that like the Rocky series, will, they're like, oh, my, mine is the first one or my second one or third. And this, for a lot of people, this is the one. Like, it just had all the stuff. Apollo's in it, you know. He's exciting. Like, it's just, there's, it has a lot of, it checks a lot of boxes, you know. Yeah. And it has a lot of, people. like, its own internal history available as well. Yes. Um, in the director's cut, it starts with, the flashback to the Clubber Lang fight. Is that the case with the theatrical? Uh, yes, because the first four Rocky films, no, actually five Rocky films, <laughs> they all start, they all start from where the last one, okay. except for the first one, obviously. They start, they all start from the where the last one picks left off, which is done in better in some than others. Um, and it's actually, it's such a great device and not a lot of films were doing it when Rocky, when Sloan, when they, when Rocky two came out, like not a film, a lot of films were doing that. That's more common now, but not a lot of films were doing that sort of thing. I'm, I'm actually can't, trying to think of what would have done something like that in 1979 when Rocky two came out, you know, previously like that, on Rocky. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of smart. what was like that. And it it is really smart. And it's see, that's another thing. It's like this, it's like driving the, you know, stylistically and dri- like everything forward. Like he's always like trying to push things forward. You think about even the robot, like, you know, a like a year, like was a year later, you get short circuit, which mm-hmm. killed, you know. Um, and so he's ahead. He's ahead of that, right? People love cute um, robots. Get it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he mm-hmm. he gets that kind of thing, and he, so he was a he he jumped on that, and he jumped on the like the MTV thing. Um, yeah, and so I think for people when they look at Rocky Four, they just connect on it and all. It's like a very fun uh, film, uh, and I think it, people just you know latched onto that, and you can watch it with a bunch of people, you know. That's also a thing. Like you watch it with your friends, but you can also watch it with your family. You know, there's, and it's and it's kind of thing where it's not too serious, you know. Yeah, and it it's it gives a nice like simplified presentation. Like I think just from an overview, it's David versus Goliath. It's Russia versus the U.S. It's good versus evil. It's a very straightforward narrative that even if you had never seen a Rocky movie, you would just go in as like a general audience member and be like, "Okay, well, I know that Russia is the bad guy. America is the good guy. So all this stuff is just going to line up the way that it's supposed to for me to be able to enjoy it. Oh, and the whole middle of the movie is a music video. So it's like very (laughs) 80s as well. And it's it's a good time. So (laughs) I, I was thinking about the clothes again. Do you remember, like, I'm in like the first Rocky? I'm, I I actually found it one found this once, and then I of course it was like a lot of money, and I couldn't buy it, and then it disappeared. But the sweaters that they wore, like the cut, like the like the corner guys, mm-hmm. Rocky's corner guys, they had like sweaters that were like these pink <laughs> cable net oh, wow. like cardigans. <laughs> and I remember one like because I'm crazy, I was once looking for it. Uh, there's also like a t-shirt that says like Rocky win or whatever they Stallone makes it now um and uh it was like very retro kind of looks like you know just like stick it looks almost like stick on like 
letters. Um, but I found that sweater. I found an original of that sweater, but it was like, like a lot, a lot of money. And then I would just go and look at it sometimes. And then one day it was somebody bought it and I was like, oh, okay, well that's over. Yeah. <laughs> that dream is over. I'll never have that sweater. <laughs> um, when is yard this... sale season in Toronto? <laughs> <laughs> You'll never find that. And, uh, but uh, in this, Rocky and the corner guys are at Apollo's fight. They're wearing red, white, and blue. Hugo Boss, mm-hmm. like half zip sweaters. Yeah, you gotta get that sweet quarter zip going. <laughs> sometimes I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm like, sh- I should be looking for that one of those. You know what I mean? Like, those are awesome. But yeah, just like things like that, I always think of like with Rocky Four is like very different from that cable net, like from like. <laughs> the first movie you know it's like now we're wearing uh you know sponsor yeah sponsorship uh like sweaters um product placement i mean uh yeah for sure (laughs) um but yeah like i don't know it just i think it just connected with people in that way three was kind of like that too because they had like mr t and well that was the beginning of mr t actually and then uh, but it had like hulk hogan and stuff like that and so a lot i know a lot of uh people that are close to my age you know that are also that's their favorite one um i think because it's just like a little bit more you know like the action's a little bit different if you really look at the first rocky there's just like a lot of talking you know yeah it's almost not even about boxing it's It's more about just like a guy who wants to be a boxer who wants a better life for himself Actually, like, really, none of the Rocky movies are about boxing all that much. But, like, but Rocky, the first Rocky, is really not about that. Like, even Sloan says he's like, it's not a boxing movie. It's not a sports movie. It's a love story. Yeah. Um, And then also, like, um, and then except for Meredith, you know, except for Burgess Meredith in four, you know everybody's back like duke's there and he's awesome apollo's corner man mm-hmm. um he's great he he's so he has a great line in it a couple great lines into you know when he talks to rocky by himself he's like you're gonna go through the most like like through hell you know he's like but i know you'll come out on on top when it's over and he's like do it do it but then he's he also gets to say no pain no pain when he's like working out which is awesome <laughs> um and then you have polly back the late um Burt Young, he just died this year. Um, and he's in it and just like his crotchety old self, but he also gets emotional <laughs> in this one. <laughs> he's like a big whiner, you know. Polly's like a jerk and a big whiner, but in this one, when he says he he would want to be Rocky, is really yeah. it's like a really touching moment. I also cry at every Rocky movie at the end. Oh. I always cry. I don't know. I mean, the ending, the ending that at least the one that I watched last night was like sweet because it just, you know, I had the tiger comes on. It ends with a freeze frame of Rocky with the flag and uh, Adrian. And I think one of the corner men, it was probably Duke, who just the great Tony Burton uh, wearing the shirt that says Balboa. And it's like them Mm. on their way out of the arena. And it just like freezes there. Movie ends. Credits roll. And theatrical. Yeah. The theatrical is different. It's um he does his little speech. He says, uh, Merry Christmas. Uh I love you. Then um it's I think it, I want to say it's 
burning heart. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's hearts hearts on fire. It might be hearts. No, I can't remember. It's one of it's one of those songs from the soundtrack. Not not um I the Tiger. I really like I the Tiger to me is very much rooted in like two and three. Those are like I like you know a couple of people when I was picking a song for the trail this trailer for Rocky Four, people were like, "Are you going to use Eye of the Tiger?" And I was like, "Absolutely not! That would <laughs> no, you can't use Eye of the Tiger for four. But that's interesting <laughs> that it's in the director's cut um, because yeah, to me it's like very much solidified in those two films. Um, and then um, yeah, so and then I love the credits in this in the theatrical cut. It's um, it's just the like a bunch of clips from the movie in black and white. It's mm-hmm. very cool. It's it's really nice. Another thing that this movie has that I love is um the fight with him and Apollo that is like their recreational fight after right at the mm-hmm. beginning after he wins with Clever Lang and then they go and they they have they fight by themselves. Yeah, when they're, they're extra like, this, shiny. This is just for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but do you know how they're extra like shiny and they like go into the ring and um and then because Apollo wants another shot at him and and then he's like ring the bell and then Apollo goes ding ding with his glove, which is like I I remember I'd get so excited, but remember how that fight ends in a freeze frame. And it's just them th- both throwing a punch at each other and it ends mm. in a freeze frame. So there's that painting that was made of him and Apollo. Um, and it's of that image that someone made, which is interesting because then Rocky has it in Adrian's, the restaurant mm-hmm. in uh, Rocky Balboa. He has that painting up. Um, and which is interesting because nobody was there to see that fight. Yeah. And so I think not- in the- <laughs> first creed movie he talks to him about it he too. talks like, to him about it yeah there's this rumored like third fight that happened in, between you two like what happened in that fight and that's when rocky tell, says that um he won that apollo won that fight between the two of them and he that's when he says the only reason i beat him your dad like the first time that's when he tells him is because of time mm-hmm. you know uh that he was a better fighter but it's time beat him so but that painting i think it's always i'm always like i'm like no one was there to see that what what did rocky do like (laughs) we recorded it no he he explained it he's like you see we're both there and i was in the red you know yellow shorts and he's in red shorts and then we both struck each other at the same time and maybe you can capture that We've gone like way into the details of the Rocky universe where people are like, what are they talking about? Well, also, I just wanted to point out that I love freeze frames and I don't know. I've loved freeze frames forever. It might be because of because of Degrassi. Maybe because this this these movies and Degrassi Junior High, every Degrassi Junior High episode ends on a freeze frame, except for like a couple. It's awesome. Interesting. I've never seen it. It's so good. <laughs> I don't know how you feel about it now. Yeah, it's I think like I missed miss my window. You might have it. You might be like, eh, but actually, you know what? You might actually like it. You might. I like might. It. I might. Um, but it. every episode is like something happens, and then it's just like either good or bad, and uh, you know it'll be like, yeah, like two people may you know maybe they'll make up or maybe they don't make up, and then the person gives like a face, and then it's like freeze frame, and then it then the music. Dun, 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 
<laughs> so good. <laughs> it's a freaking dream. I'll have to watch at least one episode just to see what's what. Yeah, freeze frames. Guys, we need more of them in present day. There's more not enough freeze pre- frames in cinema, please. Yeah, do you like freeze like I mean, come on. Like bring it. Like Yeah, is this if do I remember correctly that it's either this Rocky movie or one of the other ones where it's like during the fight montage, it's like there'll be a moment, a punch gets thrown and then it freeze frames and then like fades to the next scene that's happening live. Then yes. that one freeze frames. Is that this movie? I think it's this movie okay. during the like during that the fight, big fight montage yeah. where it's like little ones in within woven in. And then I think there's one right when he wins when he's being lifted up the one on the poster yeah um when he's being lifted up and wrapped in the american flag <laughs> when i just realized it's so it's so like rah rah uh it is very usa much so. but he's wrapped like um a roman god in uh <laughs> <laughs> in the american flag like toga style and um he's being lifted up and his face is all like you know and uh i think that's a freeze frame in this too um but <laughs> i just love that I, I i i yeah so i think at the at every time a movie start every time a rocky movie starts where it left off before at the end of the fight there's a i think there's a freeze frame mm. and then it starts more freeze frames um, in movies that's what we need right now <laughs> young filmmakers I, utilize yeah, the freeze frame do this do this like it's not it's just it's really not that difficult and it's so fun. Everybody will be happy with it. Don't you worry. <laughs> but yeah, like wrapped up in the American flag. I can't believe that. That's so that happens. Other than freeze frames, is there anything about Rocky Four in particular that you wanted to touch on that we didn't get a chance to before we mosey on over to Critics Corner? I feel like there's something that but it and it's bothering me, but I don't know what it is. But, you know, we can move on. I will add one thing in that the technical boxing snafus in this, mm-hmm. in the first round against Drago, Rocky gets knocked down three times, but he only gets knocked down on the scorecards once. He only gets counted by the referee on the third knockdown. But in boxing, if you have to grab the ropes to hold yourself up yeah that's a knockdown if your glove touches the canvas that's a knockdown if your Ugh. knee touches the canvas that's a Uh-oh. knockdown and also following up with a strike on your opponent in any of those situations is a foul so they kind of threw that out the door because rocky <laughs> gets like wobbled and his glove touches the canvas he holds himself up on the ropes and then the third time he finally Uh-oh. goes down and gets counted but i think watching the fight back i'm like he got knocked down like six times and like the referee would be hard pressed to be like i just watched this guy get dropped three times in the first round and now he's getting dropped like four or five six times in the ensuing rounds you probably got to stop that fight ref you can't just right. let rocky come up like that out there like with apollo it was in the second round that the fight was over yes. right yeah. so it was like yeah. he made it to his corner the ref tells him like okay you gotta like be careful and I like that there's a scene in this uh, director's cut where the referee comes over to Rocky's corner and he tells uh, Duke, like, your boy is hurt. So, like, I'm going to have him on a short leash. And he turns around and he's like, hey, well, 
he's hurt too, like talking about Drago. So I was like, okay, so this is a little like mm-hmm. a, maybe a little bit of a correction from what like they missed out on there in, in the first round of the fight. I do love in the theatrical cut when he's like, you've see, you've heard him. You've heard him. He's scared now. I love, I love that. He's just like, he's on a machine. He's a man. Like, he's a man. Yeah. It's so, it's so good. Mm-hmm. He's like, he's a man. Cause you're like, yeah, it's just a man. You can do this. And, um, uh, Adrian yells out. Oh, at one point she yells out, you're going to do it. Like <laughs> she just like says it. it. Cause it's like, it's happening, you know, right there in front of our eyes. And it seems like she also that. started the Rocky chant in the audience. Yeah, I think she does Rocky, too. Because when she, Rocky. yeah, yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting <laughs> it to see the crowd cha- turn, you know, um, to be on his side, you know. Yeah, because they they can recognize that like this guy's tiny, he's taking a beating, but he's still here fighting, and he's like fighting for our entertainment. So like there is that respect, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it's in the theatrical cut, but when Rocky leaves the ring here he goes to drago's corner and he just like fist bumps him he taps him on the glove and just kind of gives him acknowledgement like that was a good fight and then he leaves the ring and i was like okay like i don't remember that so it's possible that that was there and i just didn't notice it but again it's like this guy killed your friend and you still are giving him like props on the way out just i think you're a good fighter i think i prefer the theatrical cut i don't think that that yeah because of the killing of apollo I'm kind of like, nah, we don't need to do all that. Yeah, exactly, right? Like, yeah, you you killed my buddy, but, like, that was a good fight. So it is weird because it's like there's things I like about the director's cut a lot. And I think the decision to just, like, trade 42 minutes of new footage for, like, 39 minutes of old footage was a mistake. I think if you're going to do the director's cut, like, just make it two and a half hours and, like, put everything that you want in there. Give us the complete vision. And give us like there's no poly robot in the director's cut either. So like you miss out like, on a lot of like the little stuff. Yeah. And I think sometimes like I think he like was probably had hurt feelings because of the way people joke about the poly robot and mm. stuff like that and make it seem like it's it's so silly. But like I said before, it's actually a foreshadowing and yeah. an, an example of the frivolous and superficial you know, capitalist society up against and what you would do with that technology again, up against what the Russians would do with their technology, which tech plays a big role in it. In fact, it like influenced this movie changed the way people were looking at like workout equipment and stuff like yeah, that absolutely. after it. Um, so like it obviously switched things on in people's minds, you know, which films can do. You know, and it it did that. And so, like, if you take out the poly robot thing, which I understand the pressure because people are so, like, up in arms about that. Either they're, like, really excited about it and love it. <laughs> you know, in the trailer um, that, like, the copy in the trailer that um, Nathan made, um, <laughs> I, I put uh, it, robot included. It's like theatrical <laughs> cut and robot included is in is in the copy because I want people to know that this is the like the the one that came out in eighty five. You know, like I want people to be um, excited about kind of. I love the idea of time traveling. You know, when we show a movie the way it was seen, the way other people 
that were, you know, like there in 1985, how they watched it, you know. Yeah, that's why I always go back and look at what the trailer is from, I know, most mm-hmm. of the time it's like 30, 40 years ago. And so mm-hmm. a lot of the trailers I never saw or, you know, I they were either before I was born, so I never saw them. Or it was like during the era where I was too young to even be like watching movie trailers. So a lot of these yeah. I'm seeing for the first time. And it's a really interesting experience to go back and see like how it was edited what is being sold to the public as like what the movie idea is because a good trailer does a good job of communicating tone and sort of like the the building blocks for the story that are gonna get you interested and i know a lot of people now like don't watch trailers because they're like oh like it ruins too much of the movie and for the most part i don't think that's true i think for something like a comedy where they have to spend some of their joke equity in order to like make you laugh during the trailer to get you Mm -hmm. to go to the movie that's not like a great formula but i still think a well-cut trailer with like the right music the right choices like in terms of tone still will get me to see something that i never would have considered and if i didn't sit down and literally do release radar every week where it's like oh here's all 30 movies that are releasing you know theatrically Mm -hmm. on streaming on video on demand if i didn't sit there and watch all 30 of them there's probably a ton of stuff that I would never even give a second thought to. Yeah. I mean, I think that trailers, sometimes I, when I've seen a film and I see a trailer that came with that, I think, Ooh, I would be pissed if I saw all this in the trailer. Right. Uh, you know what I mean? Um, and it's usually comedies actually, because it's usually like spent jokes, like what you're talking about, yeah. but also um, for review, every film has a trailer. It's often cut by Nathan Boone is like the host editor mainly some of them are cut by other programmers that cut their own trailers but uh he's excellent he he's like just hundreds and hundreds of trailer he's he cut and they can only be one minute unless they're um part of a a series of films that are coming out as a group Mm. um so if anybody's listening i implore you to look at my trailers on from paid and sweat the you know the copies written by me the songs are picked by me but then nathan has to interpret that and he does an excellent job of it and it's really difficult to take all that footage and put it into to pick what the best stuff is to go into um only one minute and they're incredible like he does an incredible job um and then also not just do that but frame it up so it has the feel of that program specifically because there are certain films that can be played in different programs you know but you want the feel for that program. Right. So if like you have like a movie, say he's a producer on, on another program called um, uh, neon dreams cinema club. So that's like a neo-noir pro- program. And I just played marathon man. So marathon man could be a neon dreams title um, in their program, but it would be cut. He would cut it differently <laughs> to yeah. suit their, to suit their program where for me, you know, cut it in a certain way for pain and sweat. So um, go and look at the trailer for this. It's, it's great. But even just like go to the reels uh, on the Instagram page for pain and sweat and it'll like, all of them will be there, all the trailers and they're in there. Awesome. He's done an incredible job. Um, And um, it, yeah, that just the way you're storytelling and you, every film, every film also has a poster um that's one thing i wanted to mention too also as a poster for the film and the 
the poster for this one was um is uh designed by Tom Ralston he's a, a great illustrator um and uh it's a very like David and Goliath poster it's incredible you should see it um I just oh, posted I think, it. I think you did I, I might have seen it it's yeah, like, I just posted it on, Drago's on like Sunday. Drago's like a big shadow in the background. Yeah, he's like yeah, a yeah. big lady. Very shadow. cool. And then, um, and then uh, Rocky's in the wrapped in the American flag, like in the front and smaller. Um, it's awesome. So check that out too. And yeah, so each poster, you know, is done different. Tom doesn't. This is the first one he's done for my program. Um, I have there's another designer called Drew Shannon. He like he's done a lot of them too. They're all they're all on Instagram. It's really cool to go back and look at those. Um, yeah. Well, I'll make sure I put the link up to that uh, Instagram in the show notes as well. Thanks. Yeah, and then next year, and this is my last film for the year. Um, so it's been 12, 12 months of like just going you know and then um i have the next three films mapped out their ticket pages aren't up yet but they will be soon um starting kick off the month with uh, the year with uh slap shot oh that's gonna be a lot of fun yeah it'll be slap shot and then in february um the cutting edge <laughs> and i recommended that to my sister when i forgot <laughs> what movie we had watched and it was kind of like similar. And I was like, Oh, you got to do, you got to see cutting edge. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's great. Great. Great movie from my youth. And then uh, in March um, hackers. Ooh. Which is a March madness. I'd like to do something a little off kilter. Clearly, that's not a traditional sports film, but it was a time where extreme sports were a thing. And so it's incorporated into like rollerblading and skateboarding are incorporated into this film. And so I thought it would be at a time when people were just talking about extreme sports all the time. I thought this would be like a fun one to do. Yeah, there's going to be a musical guest too for that. I mean, I did watch a lot of X Games growing up. That's for sure. Yeah, and that when that movie came out, it did have that vibe that like, you know, like electric, you know, you know, counterculture kind of yeah. And then along with like you know snowboarding, skateboarding, like rollerblading, like inline skating, I guess. Um, <laughs> called. <laughs> like was the thing so uh i thought it would be like a good kind of time capsule to go back and look at that time in relation to how what it was being done with it on on film you know yeah absolutely uh how do you feel about going to critics corner right now i'm excited about it see what all these mean people had to say about (laughs) rocky four all right well, they have to say. Let's start at the bottom. Okay, we got two twenties. Uh, the overall meta score, as I mentioned earlier in the show, is a forty out of a hundred. We've got two twenties at the bottom. One from Time Magazine, and the other from the Los Angeles Times. So you can choose. Uh, Los Angeles Times. L.A. Times. Oh no, this is my native newspaper. That's why I picked it. (laughs) (laughs) Sheila Benson says this is grim and witless storytelling. And what makes it so depressing is that it hasn't 
improved by so much as a chemical trace since the days of the first Rocky. She does not like Rocky franchise at all. She just doesn't like Rocky. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because as we talked about, there's a lot of character growth. And I mean, yes, a lot of it in this film is sort of buried behind the music video montages. And there's, you know, only 92 minutes, even on the more extended version of it. Or I think it's the thing is 93 minutes. But so there's not like this huge like character building journey, but you've got already three movies of character building before we get to this point. This is a a different turn in the franchise. Mm -hmm. So to say that it's grim, number one, is ridiculous. Uh, (laughs) Witless storytelling when we're talking about the little minutia of like the costuming, uh, the set design with James Brown, like the robot and the sort of foreshadowing of the technological stuff that's going on with the Russian fighter. Like it is definitely not witless. It's not witless. And it's not depressing either. This is maybe the most uplifting and just enjoyable of the Rocky movies on its surface. And, you know, you and I had talked prior to doing this recording, and I said, if someone said that this is their least favorite Rocky movie, I'd be like, I get it. And if someone says this is their favorite Rocky movie, yeah, I get that too, 100%. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. It's true. That's just the way it makes you feel, yeah. It is. (laughs) So let's let's move on. We've got TV Guide magazine that gave it a 25. Not even that much better. It says Rocky Four is a far cry from the delights, both large and small, of its illustrious original. So again, it's like this is someone that's like, this isn't the first Rocky movie. And it's like, right. well, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. This is <laughs> the fourth film in the franchise. You expect it to just be the first one again? Because I guarantee you, if it was the first one again, you would be complaining about that. Yeah. He can't win at can't. this stage. Yeah. Nope. So, yeah, there's definitely like a group of critics that are just like, this is a this is a this is my starting position and I'm unwilling to budge on it. I have to see this movie for an assignment. So I will say something about it, but <laughs> I, I can't give it any grace. And, you know, if that was written at the time that it came out, that's one thing. But to do that with like an extra 40 years worth of knowledge and context and, you know, an additional one, two, three, four four technically five i guess maybe rocky movies because rocky mm-hmm. five rocky balboa and then the three creeds like so if you have the context of all of these films and you're looking back at four it doesn't stand out as this like weird anomaly no it actually is like a sign of the times yeah and, and it feel, it it's feels actually like it's... it's actually like ahead of its time yeah, I think so. I mean, it's it's very 80s. It's very excess. I mean, I think Stallone is probably like in the best shape of all the Rocky movies for this mm-hmm. one. Like he definitely yeah. put in the work because he's like, shit, I'm going to be standing there against a guy who's a foot taller than me who's been working with Arnold Schwarzenegger oh. to get in shape for this. Yeah, he t- and it was him. <laughs> he set himself up because he told him to put on like 80 <laughs> pounds of muscle. Mm-hmm. And he went and worked with uh, yeah, Arnold of all people who's going to get that done, get that job done. Yeah, and I mean, you see, like, Lundgren's physique is crazy in this movie as well. It's incredible. But also then, look at some of the things that Stallone is doing. Like, when he's lifting his legs. Yeah, he does that, like, sit-up from the barn, where he's just, like, (laughs) frozen in sit-up position. I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, and it's incredible. And then also when he's lifting, one of my favorite things is when he's lifting the bag of rocks. And he does that twist. Yeah. Oh, I love it. 
Or <laughs> when he's lifting them in the carriage and he has, they're all sitting in the Duke and mm-hmm. Polly and Adrian are all sitting in the thing and he has to lift it and he looks like he he looks Herculean is the pro- appropriate word to use because the beard yeah. and then he's like, oh. <laughs> he's like the beard and he's just like in a tank top and it's just like all every vein is like going to like explode. Incredible. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> I, Guys, if you're watching, if you're listening to this and you're in Toronto and you don't run and buy a ticket to see this on the big screen, <laughs> like, I don't know what you're doing. It really is just like a great sort of <laughs> theatrical movie experience because it doesn't slow down. I mean, you start in the middle of a fight and then before you know it, you're whisked away to montage land and you get like this great music. You get this great like editing that sort of pieces together all these other Rocky movies. And I know I know that the critics here have said that, like, oh, it's a lazy sort of rehashing of the originals, but it's not like it's done with intent. And it's one thing to say, like, I would have preferred that Rocky and Adrian have this long drawn out argument mm-hmm. or this conversation about the the risk benefit analysis of making this decision. But that's not what the character is doing there. He's already made up his mind and he's just struggling to actually like reconcile having to go home and tell her that that is the case. And so that's why we get a montage scene of him in the car where it's like, hold on, snap zoom to him shifting into third gear here. So I'm just like fucking Louis with his driving gloves on. You got to love that shit. It's amazing. (laughs) I just love your face right now. It's so sparkly. Your eyes were just like, you're like, oh, I'm so excited. I can't wait to see it again. I'm not going to watch it at home again. (laughs) I'm going to wait until I get to watch it with an audience, you know, on the 13th. And I just can't believe I get to do that again. And like then a band too, to, like lead you into it like guys it's gonna be pumped like we're gonna be it's gonna like, be so much through punch. the free, through yeah. the roof punch the sky like show up early have some drinks i know that like this is happening in canada but like wear an american <laughs> flag t-shirt or something like you know <laughs> yeah you can do that you know take your corner you know what i mean draw your line in the sand and, cheer, and sh- freaking cheer you know what i mean or wear your best like 80s outfit you know bring your you know bring your best like adrian style your best your rocky like in that you yeah, know get one of those the sweaters outfit. Yeah, bring or go old school. Like bring in your bring bring your old school Rocky vibes. Like just like you know, lean into the whole night. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah, it sounds like a good time. Yeah, let's uh let's get into some more of the positive. Well, so I guess slightly positive. These people gave it a <laughs> forty. So we got Empire, the New York Times, and Newsweek all gave it forties. Who do you want to go with? And what Newsweek Empire and what? Which one was? Uh, New York Times. I'm gonna go New York Times because Jen- it's all Jen the all the news you can fit, right? I guess so. <laughs> our, our paper of record did not like Rocky Four. <laughs> <laughs> Janet Maislin says the comforting sameness of all the Rockies and the overbearing star quality of Mr. Stallone in his lovable lug incarnation may well make Rocky Four another hit. 
but when it flashes back to its antecedents, particularly to the original Rocky, with its bashful heroine and self-effacing star, it becomes clear how bloated and hollow the story has become. Mm. It's another, like, we don't like the flashbacks, and it means that this movie is empty. And, like, I get the knee-jerk reaction to be like, this movie is showing me clips of the previous Rocky movies and sort of mm-hmm. being turned off by that or thinking it's lazy sure. filmmaking maybe. But I think that throws the context of why there are flashbacks out the window. Like there's a yes. reason that these flashbacks are happening and it isn't yes. lazy storytelling in my opinion. I don't think it's lazy storytelling. I think if actually, I I actually think that if it were like, drawn out peppered throughout the film these flashbacks then that would be maybe like leaning on that as a crutch too much but i think it's incredibly hard what they did with that one montage to show it that's really hard it's like what we were talking about with the trailers that nathan does like taking down this one film to one minute so they took they used a full song but they took what three they took four films because they're using portions of this the current the film that they're in Mm -hmm. so they took all the footage up leading up to that point in the fourth film and told the entire entirety of the story and of the what you so if you never it's actually such a great service to do to people too who had never seen any of the other rocky films exactly so if you're coming into just rocky four you're gonna get like a little snippet, little snippets of all the films that have happened before it, and they just boiled it down to one montage, one song. That's incredible that that they were able to do that, and you get like, and you also it's so you earn so there's so much emotion connected to it. It's such a it's such a big payoff. The song's incredible, you know, woven into like the driving thing. It's very of like the time. It's probably like you know ahead of its time in that way too it's so cool and then and so the payoff is as i said is incredible but then you also get all that story and it's not he doesn't force you to have to keep revisiting that that all that story throughout the film it's condensed in that one so i don't know how you could be pissed off at that and not excited about it instead yeah even i mean just watching it again like i know that's coming i've seen it many times yeah but when it's there's no easy way out <laughs> so yeah. good. So there's good. no shortcut <laughs> and it's like it's just emotion and the all the flashing oh my god like i love how it's done with like reflective like flashing like the night driving feeling yeah, got, like the rear view mirror lighting up his eyes at the yeah. right moment yeah, and you also have to remember, like, think about that time too. Like, um, like what was the biggest show? Probably, like, I don't know, was Miami Vice out then? In the eighties, yeah. Like, like in eighty five though, was it out at that point? Question. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, it, it, Miami Vice had come out like the year before, right? And you think about like. The pilot of Miami Vice was like is has an incredible scene where it's just to crocodile and tubs and they're driving in a black car and it's you're seeing all that reflective. He pulled from a bit of that, you know what I mean? So he clearly is trying to tap into this. And yeah, Miami Vice was the biggest show like on television. 
so he's grabbing a little bit of that energy you know what i mean he's not ignoring that he's not trying he's not trying to like he, he push people away he's trying to capture those those people and i think but also do service to his franchise and do its own thing so it does get a little bit of that energy but then you but then he does his own thing and it's awesome yeah rocky's rocky's also wearing like deep v-necks in this movie a couple times so it's like (laughs) yeah he knows what's up he's he's a fan of miami vice he sees it on tv and he's emulating the style of course of course it's and he's thinking he's you know he watches Miami Vice and he's like look at it's me and Apollo yeah you know what I mean he's just like he's like looks like Crockett and Thompson he's like well I like have that we talk about like I've been talking about Nathan the editor a lot we we're both huge fans of Miami Vice and so like we talk about that all the time but I'm sure Rocky's like look at that's me and my like we're stylish like that this is so cool what if me and paul weren't fighters what if we were vice cops right (laughs) he's imagining a world where they can do team-ups and buddy movies we could run on the beach we like beaches like you think they yeah exactly you think that rocky and uh, apollo have not talked about my advice they totally talked about my advice <laughs> yeah when they got done watching that uh that old fight of theirs and talking about that they were like yeah let's throw on miami vice <laughs> it's time yeah exactly you know that they're talking about that shit <laughs> yeah all right, let's jump up the ladder we're gonna go to the chicago sun times that means it's roger ebert he said he gave it a 50 so not great but i mean that's two out of four for him that's not (laughs) rocky four is movie making by the numbers even the climactic fight scene isn't as exciting as it should be maybe because we know with a certainty born of long experience how it will turn out well sir in the first movie rocky doesn't win in the third movie he loses (laughs) so what certainty do you have that he's going to win here based on the previous films would be my question. And even if you do know that he's going to win, who cares? I still got goosebumps (laughs) talking about that moment. I've seen the movie and I'm still like, Oh yeah, he hit him with a good punch. Now it's a fight. And I'm just like, yeah, let's go. You saw it last night and you've seen it many times before. And it still is. It still works. It still works every time, you know? Um, yeah, there's a reason he, this movie's they, beloved in that way, yeah. I think so. Siskel got that, he did. He like figured he 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 understood this movie, he did. Like, it made sense to him. Well, speaking of Siskel, he's number one on the board with an 88 out of 100. That's higher than I even thought. I thought yeah. he was gonna give it, I thought I mean, he might have given a 70. Yeah, I don't know how he arrives at 88. I don't know what kind of scoring system he was using. He's he's got off those stars, I see. <laughs> you don't get to an 88 on four stars. Listen, I also had a, <laughs> I had an argument with some Americans about uh grading. Oh boy. Uh, must because have been enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> because our grading is different. Mm. Or like A A to you know, like A to F grading is different in percentages. Oh, interesting. And so, like, 88's, like, really great. That's yeah. like a, like a, that's an A or a, a B plus. Yeah, for us, that's, like, a B plus that's borderline an A. Like, you almost got to an A. No, that's not, not what quite. these people were saying. No? No, 
Yeah. And I was like, how is that possible? How is that possible? That doesn't give enough room. That doesn't, you can't, that has to be, you don't, you can't go any lower than that because then that doesn't, that leaves, that means if you get half of everything right, I, that was the argument. I was like, if you get half of everything right, they were like, if you get half of everything right, that's not very good. I'm like, it's half and yeah. you deserve that half right that's not a fail it's still half they're like so if doctors uh get 50 percent, i'm like no that's why they have to get a certain percentage they know 50 percent is not enough for a doctor but maybe correct it's enough for a bartending yeah you know what i mean but that's not an insult at bartending don't come at me i'm just saying <laughs> i'm just saying like the, the difference between serving a drink and like dealing with somebody's life is different. Yeah. And I mean, like each particular, you know, I guess trade school type of thing will score their curve appropriately. Like you yeah. have to get this to pass. Yeah. So and it I... really is like the pass fail line is not at an F. It's more at like a C range probably. Yeah. And so anyway, it was, it was so crazy. They were like 50% is not because I was saying like 60s, here is a C, right? When you're getting into the 70s and early 80s, that's in the B area. And then when you're at the top of the 80s and the 90s, then it's A and A plus, right? So, and they were like, no, that's no. And I was like, what? That way? Oh. And then I started, then we talked about temperatures and it all went out the winter. Oh, anyway, anyway, out the window. Fuck your centigrade. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I don't understand if something's zero, it's zero, and then minus that is like less. I don't understand how that's hard difficult. Oh my god. I guess I always looked at the like the letter grading because like when I used to actually like rate movies like for real, I yeah. did uh, a letter grading system. So it was <laughs> Anything that I would say is in the 90 to 100 score range would be an A. Then the B plus range is like, I guess, 87, 88, 89. Then the mid B is like 84, 85, 86. And then the low end, 80 to 83. And then just kick that on down the line. But yeah, I think like, yeah. what I ultimately came to the realization is like, if I if I first of all don't believe that any movie is perfect, I don't believe in such a thing because it's not it's, it's not. art. It's not meant to be perfect to begin with. Yeah. So everybody's going to just be like, this is a 10 out of 10 movie, like for me personally. So it's like, I just yeah. don't look at it that way. Yeah. So I think anything I, I grade, I would say that like a curve is more appropriate. So anything that's like nine out of 10 range would be like what is considered a perfect movie or like the top of the food chain. Okay. Yeah. All right. So he says he, uh, sorry, I took you on a journey. It's okay. Um, <laughs> um, so 88, 88, this we don't know how cool. he arrived there, but he gave it an 88 and we're happy about okay. that because that's really good. Uh, and he says, whereas Stallone with Rambo is messing around with real places and real events in Rocky four, we all know that this is pure Hollywood, pure fantasy. And very well-made Hollywood fantasy indeed. Yeah. Bingo. Yay. Yeah, this isn't meant to be like first blood, you know? <laughs> this yeah. isn't even meant to be Rocky 1. Rocky 1. That's, <laughs> that's what I was going to say. 
yeah i i just love that and it is it is made for like i keep saying to tap into the time that they were that was things that were happening at the time you know it's almost like 80s glam rock except for in filmmaking because it's like it's not the hair and the musicians and like the costumes but the wardrobe choices are very specific and instead of the hair and like the unitards they replace it with oily muscles and lots, lots of oily I muscles to get to smile at you and, not, <laughs> and be silent i'm smiling really big um also but i also like yeah it seems that i'm always i want <laughs> coming with you to with like fashion always like three films now and we've talked about fashion in every fashion's an important part of film and i think it's an easy thing to it's an easy thing to overlook in terms of like why you go to the movies because most of the time i'm not going to a movie thinking like hey i'm so interested in what the costume designer is going to do i'm not here to really like observe that but when it's done well it resonates with me it stands out and i remember it a lot after the fact and so i would say like uh like saltburn is a good example we just both saw that recently it came out yes. just like last week the costuming in that isn't meant necessarily to be like hey look at my outfit kind of thing that we see in other movies it's like these are what these kind of rich people would wear and they do it a lot more subtly but then you get some big costume choices where Richard E. Grant is wearing like a suit of armor at one point in the movie. And you got the eyebrow ring. Yeah. The eyebrow ring. Uh, you got Barry. <laughs> he's wearing his white. Uh, I don't know if it's like a floral print, but it's like a white jacket with like silver sort of like branches or something on the front mm-hmm. with no shirt. And he's wearing antlers. Yeah. And oh so yeah. To the, the party. There's yeah. very specific choices that I think enrich that film. And I think what I came away with, like thinking is each frame in that film, each scene is so richly textured visually, Mm -hmm. but it's doing it without like beating me over the head with it of just like stare at this awesome costume we took the time to make. Yes, I I agree. Um, So I've said this many times and I think I already said it on the first time I was here um, that I love that I love contemporary costuming um because it's so it because i consider it to be its own challenge um yeah we talked about that we talked about it weekend bernie's like the idea that there is like when you have like an opulent um you know long ago period piece much you know like pre 20th century or really really early 20th century you know then people it's it's its own challenge you know what i mean creating those recreating those costumes is its own challenge but if you have to buy a clothes that exists today and create a character with that say something about the character say something about the time for instance or say something about the character with that that's its own challenge you know because people have their own people remember it or they're living it with it at the moment and they have to you know, they're applying what they know in that moment to it, you know, when they look at it. I was, I'm a big fan. I've talked about this before. People are sick of hearing this, but I'm a big fan of Halt and Catch Fire, that show, um, which was set in the 80s, in which I love when um, the characters that are <laughs> were wearing, some of the characters that had less money, they're wearing stuff that's from the 70s because that people don't get rid of their clothes 
you know, you're wearing the same clothes that you wore, you know, five years ago, a decade ago. And so they look, they have like, they look older because they, they're wearing seventies clothes in the eighties. And then Joe, um, Lee Pace's character is rich. So all he's wearing like kind of Miami Vice style stuff. He's wearing newer, all, all his stuff is brand new and designer. So he stands out in that way. And then, um, Cameron's character is all like, uh, she's a punk. She's young and she's, has like likes punk things so her stuff is like a mix of some new stuff with some you know thrifty stuff but it's not 70s either but it's not it doesn't have money attached to it either so it's its own thing and says something about the character and i think that's fascinating like when you have to think about those things or you have like a show like mad men where you know the british come over and they're all wearing tweeds and stuff like that you know and they stand out you know, or you go to the future and Don's still wearing like a skinnier tie and people are starting to wear wider ones. Things like that. There's like very subtle things, but it tells you something of the character. And even some, even on a subconscious conscious level, it's getting in there and you're you're seeing it. You're understanding yeah. it. Yeah, it's fast. It's fun. And Rocky has that. And, you know, in its own way too, the Russians are all in like specific one color, basically. Like you that know. sort of like olive military green look. Yeah, yeah. Even in even in Brigitte Nielsen's like stylish attire, she's still in their colors. She's still in that gray kind of color. You know, she's not her makeup. She's not wearing like red lipstick. She's not wearing like flashy eyeshadow. You know, she's where she's made up, but it's all like muted colors. And she's very only... much like a stark contrast to what we see from Apollo's wife and from Adrian as well. Yeah, they're, they're wearing like purples, like mauves, reds and stuff like that. And the only thing that you use, uh, they're not even wearing that much red because the thing that they want to stand out much more is the Russian red. You know what I mean? Yeah. So even that, like, it's not like they have when she, when Adrian shows up, she's not even wearing like she's not wearing like a red coat or, you know, boots or whatever, because everything that's red when they go to Russia is like mm-hmm. the Russian red, you know, Rocky wears a little bit of red in the United States, but then the only red he's wearing is in the, oh, in like that right there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's just, I think that's a, like, clearly everything was really thought out. Yeah. And I mean, like I saw, uh, like in the last two weeks, I saw like Napoleon, and the new hunger games and those are movies with like big costuming budgets big costuming choices but done in a way where it's like one is trying to be as adherent to being period accurate as possible and so you don't get a ton of character development in the costume because this dude's always in his military uniform for the most part and then all of the extras that surround him will mostly all be in military garb as well so it's like it's a big undertaking it takes time it takes effort it takes passion it takes thoughtfulness to like line all of that up but there isn't as much room for like some of the side characters like his wife and her attire like they want it to be period specific but the difference between being high end for that time versus being like the bottom rung we don't really get to see because there isn't a whole lot of like scaling of oh here's like the upper class here's the middle class here's the lower class kind of thing whereas a movie like the hunger games is very specific about that where it's like if you're in the bottom you all kind of wear like gray potato sacks and then if you are in the capital you get to wear something fancy 
but the one smart choice they made at least with the two main characters was they gave the girl from district 12 like a colorful atypical outfit and made that a point of emphasis mm-hmm. and they made snow who's the lead character sort of be wearing hand-me-down clothes from his father so they're stylish but they're not his but it kind mm-hmm. of like points to him wanting to be this thing that he isn't so mm-hmm. it's just like different elements of handling it and a lot of the costumes that were made for hunger games are like designs that we don't see in real life where right. at least with napoleon it's uh, period specific so it's trying yes. to be accurate with Rocky it's like this is stuff that we're taking off the shelf and putting on him for the most part or off the rack yeah. it's not stuff where oh let's build this thing from the ground up exactly and and that meets its own kinds of kind of challenge you know um, and it, like I, I'm glad you brought up salt, saltburn because we were talking about I was saying oh it's a period piece remember and a lot of people don't think of it think of things that are that new as period pieces but they are because they're not now right yeah. so i mean it's very specific to set it in 2006 yeah but it's still it is a period piece and so it that is is really a challenge because a lot of that stuff is might be even right like around right now and you can find it we found yeah. a lot of that look those looks um they stand out because you're like oh yeah i went through that or experienced that but you know uh it's still something that you could find right um, mm-hmm. and p- kind of put together so um but everybody has their own kind of style like their feel you know um like his friend he was like the way they dressed him like he was you know like not as i guess not as laid back and relaxed looking he was more buttoned down kind of guy right mm-hmm. the guy that he meets that he's friends with first when he gets there um and the other nerd yeah and then you know jacob lod um's character is more like he's cool but he's laid back but he's probably wearing but he's rich so he's probably wearing items that are designer yeah his items even though exactly even though it's just a t-shirt right it's Mm. like a 95 dollar (laughs) t-shirt well i guess he got his money's worth because i mean it, it looked good on screen so yeah, and so it's really that I think that's I don't know I just love that stuff I love it it's so cool. I mean it's a it's important element of visual storytelling so I got no problem talking about fashion on here it's not my it's not my like strongest suit <laughs> but uh... but it has so much symbol symbolism you know to can it can have it can have so much symbolism yeah to I mean I put probably way too much thought into like my wedding outfit and I was like no I'm gonna wear pink this is happening put thought into it put thought into yeah. it I love that yeah I have like we we looked and we laid it out and it's like okay pink goes with this maybe not with this here's the look that I had in mind with the black tie with the pink which looks good i ended up going with a different tie though which is oh, a little yeah. bit more flamboyant <laughs> it's i like, like that it's like paisley pink and black yeah yeah so it's it's an, it's nice i need to see what it looks like when everything is all like laid out together but yeah i put like probably way too much time and effort into the suit where i could have just been like let me go rent the suit for 100 bucks at men's warehouse do black no. and just traditional i always encourage people to get what they would wouldn't be able to wear any other day and really go for it and even if and and have have it you know as this thing it's a really important day and i think you should throw 
stuff out of it if you have the means, you know? Um, because yeah, I've seen people break the bank. We're okay. I've seen people like <laughs> cut corners and then regret it. You know, if it like they or just like not say that it doesn't matter. And then they're like, oh, I w- kind of wish I had this or I wish I look back on this. And, you know, I've actually seen that, you know. That's good. To like, know. so, yeah, throw if you have the means, throw something at it. You know, I, I always like, you know, I've talked to brides where they're like, should I wear a veil? It seems ridiculous to wear a veil. And then I'm like, when what other day? Yeah. Like if you, I'm saying if you want to. Not if you don't want to wear yeah. a veil, then that's up to you. But if you have a desire to wear a veil, what other day are you gonna wear a veil? <laughs> Just do it. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like if you like if you don't want to, that's one thing. But if you want to, why are you gonna hold up? Why of all days are you gonna be like? maybe i'm gonna hold up you can always just take it off um and so just just freaking wear it well i'm going i'm going for it so good fingers crossed i can't wait to see pictures i can't wait fingers crossed i know we're we're getting soon so soon oh it's gonna come up real fast now i mean it's yeah it feels like it was taking forever to get here and now that it's like we're inside the final month it was like it went from a month to less than two weeks really fast yeah yeah and it's in a runaway train now i'm excited for you it was just a lot of like waiting for emails it was like killing time and it's like well we can't move (laughs) forward until we hear from this person so yeah yeah i was so excited for you you know the best time it's gonna be a lot of fun um but i want to i know we talked about Sorry, you got sidetracked. That's okay. I I know we talked about giving or shouting out your program, and you had mentioned uh, the gentleman who does your trailers and where we can find that stuff. But want to give you the opportunity now to remind everybody, like, when is the Rocky showing happening? Okay, so um, Rocky Four. I'm screening at Review Cinema in Toronto on December thirteenth. It's at eight thirty. Often it's a Wednesday. Often my screenings are on Thursday at seven. So just keep in mind that it's on a Wednesday and it's a later show because we have a band. Uh Dragon Sounds um will be playing a short set there. Um also if you want to put some of your Christmas money aside, we're gonna have a t-shirt. Uh and it there's a possibility it might be kind of festive and something that you might want to wear throughout the holiday season, or maybe you want to buy a gift for somebody. So keep that in mind. Um, but more importantly, buy your ticket first, um, <laughs> uh, and show up because it's going to be an awesome, awesome time for the Rocky fan in your life. Make sure you buy custom Rocky t-shirt. They've got Rocky posters. Walk your make poster. Sure, make sure you don't forget your ticket because live music, Rocky Four, Schwag, got it all. Yeah, it's gonna be, be the a, best. It's gonna be so much fun. I can't, I can't wait for you to have that experience. It's gonna be a blast. Thanks. Yeah, everybody, it's gonna be. You're gonna see the sweat splashing up. Big scream. Incredible. Well, you're gonna have people in the audience with Mister Spray bottles. Just anytime they're like, <laughs> like, oh, what is happening? <laughs> Imagine four D, like right, four D X. Oh my god, we would all we would all be leaving the theater with horrible contusions. <laughs> that's funny (laughs) well vanya it has been a pleasure as always i can't wait i can't wait to come back just let me know that's right well 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some time off for, of course, the wedding <laughs> and the honeymoon and just, you know, to have some time off in general. And then yeah. I've got, I think, one more episode that I'll do at the end of the year because I told Scott we would do a Christmas special episode on Mixed Nuts. Oh, so right. we'll do that. And then, uh, yeah, we're going to head into 2024. Oh, my goodness. 2024, we're going in hot. Guns blazing. I got some people lined up already. And then just... Whatever you got next, whatever you're going to you're going to stray from the 80s or we're going to come back to the 80s, talk 80s fashion. Oh, man, I have to think about this. Yeah, you have something decide right now. <laughs> maybe there's some maybe maybe get into the 90s. Maybe I don't know. Who knows? All right. Um, I'll, I'll think about it. It'll be a while. It'll be a while. But um, no I have a yeah, I've, I've done some podcasts this fall. Yeah. So, yeah, I've been talking a lot. People have been listening to me talk talk a lot about movies. Um, <laughs> You're passionate about it, and I think that translates pretty well through the speakers or the oh, headphones thanks. or whatever you're using. So, thank you. Um, yeah. So, but I always have a good time talking to you about movies. Um, and I, yeah, I can't wait to be back. I'll think about you know what's happening maybe we'll stay in the decade who knows maybe this is our decade you know maybe what I mean? it is it's not like there's any shortage of 80s movies to talk about either <laughs> yeah <laughs> it seems to be a sweet spot for this show so like, <laughs> 80s and 90s specific but hey, yeah <laughs> it is what it is you never know that's fine um, you, you go where the fruit is plentiful mm, yeah that's true excited cool well thank you Please enjoy the rest of your evening at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And happy holidays. Merry Christmas. This is a Christmas movie. So keep that, keep that in your hearts. <laughs> True meaning of Christmas. When someone asks you what your favorite Christmas movie is, say Rocky Four and watch them be flabbergasted and then <laughs> watch it with them. And then you'd be like, see, he wishes his son Merry Christmas. There's a tree in the corner over there. It's a Christmas movie. It counts. They're fighting on December 25th. That counts. Yeah, it comes up m m multiple times, you know. It does. It counts. Yeah, it counts. <laughs> All right, everybody. Take care. Bye. My many thanks to Vanya for hanging out again and talking about a movie that I loved so much from childhood that I had to send her a picture from when I was 10 years old of me wearing a Rocky 20th anniversary sweater. If you're in the Toronto area, I would highly recommend checking out that Rocky Four screening at Review Cinema and checking out Paid in Sweat across all your socials, you can find Vanya at Nostalgiafile on X, and I put up all of her links in the show notes. And of course, thank you to everyone who took the time to listen to this episode. I know you have a lot of choices when it comes to podcasts, and I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you enjoyed the show, and if you do, please consider leaving a rating and telling a friend about it. And the new support page is live at coffee.com. That's ko-fi.com slash bad movies we love. I'd love to hear from you. So if you have a bad movie you love and or maybe would like to be a guest on the show, you can contact me now at badmovieswelove at thescheiss.com or badmovieswelove on Twitter and Instagram. And that's love with an L-U-V. And as always, take care, be well, stay safe, and have fun however you get your movies.